Yo, Nathan Winner. What's going on, baby? Hey, man. This is a very familiar feeling. I know, right? Dude, it just... Does it feel like... Did you leave the air conditioner on in here? It's really comfortable. I mean, really comfortable. It's so comfortable, man. I might just take my shoes off and rub them on Scott's carpet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at this. Do you see this lazy boy I dragged in, dude? It feels good to be a winner, dude. I mean... I, I guess we should talk about it and stuff. Do you want to give Scott a call real quick before we get before we get too far into this? Before we before we we call him, I just want to say I don't think there's any point letting them ever face us again in predictions. Well, of course not. Of course not. All right, hold on. Let me let me dial him up real quick. All right, uh, let me look. Through. Hey guys! Wow, that was I'm quick. The, I'm the one that called you. Remember? What? Oh, no, shit. no, shit. Hi, Scott. Accusés d'un vol qu'ils n'ont pas commis, n'ayant aucun moyen d'en faire la preuve, ils fuient sans cesse devant leurs poursuivants. Pour subsister, ils emploient leurs compétences. Quand la loi ne peut plus rien pour vous, il vous reste un recours, un seul, l'agence Tourisque. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the freshly winning... Winning, winning the Tiger Blood Infused Rogue Opinions podcast, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Uh, today, we're going to be here talking about all the grapples that happened over this big, long wrestling weekend. And, uh, of course, you know who I had to get involved here. I had to get me, Jimmy Baxter, along with my winning partner in crime, my teammate, my brother, Nathan Greenaway. Nathan, what's going on, buddy? I'm, I'm feeling good. I feel like a successful man right now. Right, right. I, I I bought a pocket square. <laughs> You're so Man. fancy. I know, I know, I know. And um, what's his face? Um, Scott, you, uh, Mike on everything, everything good. He's here too. Hi. Hi. I'm gonna start calling you not Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because me and him are so similar. Because you know, there's me and then there's Paul. You know, the guy you've never. Had a conversation with ever. I find it easy to remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all here, ladies and gentlemen, to discuss all the wrestling. Not Paul. I'm sorry. It, hurt. it hurts. It hurts to laugh so hard. Uh, and we're here to talk about all things. Uh, I mean, shit, it was a big weekend, guys. I guess there's only one place to start. And that's before we enter the Thunderdome, we should enter DC's Fandome. And we should talk about the stuff oh. that I know. I know. Hold your sides, ladies and gentlemen. We're whiplashing here. Um, <laughs> wacky Shack. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple things, some of the biggest news. And uh, starting off with, uh, obviously, something I'm looking forward to, slightly wrestling related, is uh, Samoa Joe is playing King Shark in Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. It's going to be coming out, I think, in 2022, maybe 2021, hopefully 2021. Uh, And they released a short vignette with uh, the four or five main characters. And it's revealed that the Suicide Squad's mission is to kill the Justice League. Um, This one is in the Arkham universe. So I got to ask you guys real quick, what do you guys think of the the new Suicide Squad game that's coming out? Yeah, it looks looks really good. uh, Yeah, we got Rocksteady developing it they seem to absolutely smash these uh, dc games for the most part like i'm just thinking of arkham origins there but the rest of them they they really seem to smash and they're putting it in that universe which is great it's great to expand it 
Uh, it's super successful for them. Hopefully they keep some of the same game mechanics and everything like that. So, And we've got some great characters in that you're going to get to play as. So overall, I think that's awesome. But it's nice to have a bit of a wrestling link as well in there. So good stuff. Yeah. Can't wait. Can't wait to play it in two years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scott, what do you think of, uh, of this particular game? I really, I'm really looking forward to it. I like the, the teaser that we got. And I remember actually hearing about this ages ago, like the, the story about this being in development. I'd hear and also it was from the same people that did the Arkham games. Uh, it was something to get excited about. And then just like, yeah, before I watched the trailer, I seen the random story online, yeah, Samoa Joe playing King Shark. And just like, it's just weird how actually perfect that is, casting-wise. For a second, I thought it said he was playing King Shark in like the live-action one, like he was going to be in the James Gunn one before I properly read the fucking thing. It said he's in the animated one, sorry, in the the video game, and I'm I'm looking forward to play. I didn't actually play a lot of the actual Arkham games, even though I liked like how they looked. But this is a game I really want to play because, as Nathan said, they're using the same universe, and I like that they're using other DC properties after they've done such a good job with Batman. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, staying on the Batman train, and not that Batman, not yet. We're gonna get there, boys and girls. Uh, but uh, staying on that train, they also announced that they're going to be releasing a two-part animated long Halloween film. Um, this is, uh, I mean, they haven't really released too much information from what I've seen, but just the notion that we're going to get a dedicated sort of adaptation uh, movie version of the long Halloween is very enticing to me as a longtime Batman fan. Uh, what do you guys think of that news coming out of the fandom? Isn't, like pretty much almost every villain in Batman almost in that film or in the storyline, so I get why they're doing it in two parts, and I like where these animated films sometimes get the time to, like, uh, get the time to actually tell the stories, because, like, they did that two-part Superman film uh, with the Doomsday, and then, because, like, I think, remember they did that Killing Joke one, and then they suddenly realised, yeah, this isn't long enough for a proper animated film, so we have to squeeze in, like, an extra 50 minutes of shit. I don't, don't even get me started. On Killing, the Killing Joke movie. I like the Killing Joke movie. Of course you do. <laughs> That's why you're in the Hall of Fame, Nathan. Um, God damn it. <laughs> but, but yeah, the, the Long Halloween, it's a good story. You get to get a lot more. If you've ever been intrigued by Carmel in Falcone, you get to find out a lot more about him. Uh, and yeah, everyone's pretty much in there causing havoc so it's it's pretty much like uh if you played the arkham games where the arkham games are usually batman just having a really fucking long day <laughs> that's pretty much what this is going to be in movie form for you so it's something to look forward to do we know when it's coming out jimmy did you say uh no i actually don't know very much other than that they are making it so while i stop definitely don't stall for time here um well, knowing, knowing the DC fandom, it's probably going to be like, oh, coming first quarter of 2025. Uh, bu- 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 2021. Coming 2021. Well, don't I look silly? I think everything's basically coming 2021 because like they're finally getting to the point where they can release stuff. Because like fucking Mulan, the live action one's finally coming to Disney Plus on September 4th, I think it is, and they didn't even get a chance to release it. In. But only... I'm excited to see it because... It's not got Eddie Murphy voicing a dragon in it, so. 
And also, do, would you like to subscribe to Disney Plus and then pay another £20 to watch a film? That, that's, oh, that's how you watch it. <laughs> I, I've been watching a lot of Disney Plus stuff because like, I, I, I used up the shows that I had to catch up on. And then I realised, actually, I didn't watch the last couple of seasons of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I've been watching that because S.H.I.E.L.D. is like a show you can't watch it week to week. If you really want to get into it, you have to watch it when you've got a few episodes built up. Because that's when it actually becomes interesting. <laughs> it's just like these podcasts, the longer they go. But <laughs> <laughs> see, we start out at the top, I think, and then we just come crashing down to the end. And then we sputter out and tell people to fuck off. Um, it's like dinner at Elton John's house. Um, starts out super entertaining, and then sh- and then he's just drunk and telling people to fuck off. Um so, uh, also uh, on the Batman train, a lot of Batman news obviously coming out of the DC fandom. Uh, Gotham Knights, not in the Arkham universe, uh, but it looks like it might be co-op or uh, like they did with GTA V where the single player, you can just hop in between the different characters. Uh, Batman is apparently dead. Court of Owls are around. I feel like uh, overall with the Batman stuff that was announced, there's like this conscious movement to get him back to the detective. And Court of Owls seems to sort of be around, uh, whether that be like things I've seen people talk about the movie or some of the games. It seems like Court of Owls is definitely starting to come up and be a big part of these uh, Batman stories that they're telling. But uh, what did you guys think of Gotham Knights? Nathan, I'll start with you. Yeah, it, it looks it looks like an interesting idea. So breaking out the Arkham universe I would maybe have just liked to see more Batman in Arkham but maybe I'm being a bit selfish on on that so it looks like an interesting concept I love the Court of Owls story I think that's one story that's not been done justice outside of kind of the comic books or any sort of graphic novels or anything like that so if they can start to bring that into the mainstream then hopefully fingers crossed at some point we can get a movie telling that story that's actually good uh so and i like the idea of batman going to more towards the detective side in his stories as well because he is seen as being this great detective but recently all we see him do is find some evidence and then beat the shit out of people (laughs) so uh so but no it looks like an interesting concept i'm not sure i'm completely sold on the gta online idea of it but i'm not a big online gamer but that's where gaming's gone so why not give it a try and you get to explore some other characters from the bat family so that can't be a bad thing mm-hmm. i actually didn't see the trailer for this i've heard about it and like i like the idea as nathan said about the bat family because like one of the biggest things i hate i didn't like about arkham knight was the fact you had a uh, nightwing and you had robin and they did nothing really with them it's like it was mostly Batman just insisting he does everything by himself. Like when you could have easily done some interesting stuff in that game with those two characters. So I'm like, I like the fact that you're gonna get some use some like extra characters. The Quarter of Owls is something I've wanted to see for a while because they did a version of it on the Gotham like TV show and like season two or three. I can't remember. It's been ages since I watched it, and I really wanted it to be in a film because I think sure they originally said when Ben Affleck was still Batman he was gonna do like a trilogy. And I was hoping they were going to try and use that as a way to tell the Court of Owls story because, like, it's across two major, like, graphic, like, a long story. So, like, if they don't do it on live action, I think that's the next, like, two-part film. If that's what the DC animated films are doing, if they're, like, telling stories over two films, if they're, like, got so much that they can tell. 
I think Quarterville is something they could do that kind of thing with. Yeah, I think that uh, it's going to end up depending on like how this seems to start turning out for people. Like they're going to just push this sort of slightly different Batman that we're used to seeing at least lately um, and see how that works out and then kind of probably jump right into it, uh, you know, because that's how things normally go. But it is time, ladies and gentlemen, if you paid attention to the Internet at all over the weekend, you saw that the thing that's hitting people the most is uh, the uh, the new Matt Reeves film, The Batman. The trailer premiered at DC Fandom to uh, widely pretty positive reviews. I know uh, me and my circle of friends, we uh, we were all pretty hyped on it. I'm really looking forward to it. The trailer was absolutely fantastic. You see a little bit of uh, Pattinson doing his thing. Uh, you see... Um, Jeffrey Wright as uh, Gordon in there for a little bit. He reads one of the uh, riddles. Uh, obviously, we're looking at Paul Dano's riddle, Riddler as the uh, the main villain here. Um, I was extremely happy with it. The fact that he beats piss out of just some random um, henchman there in the middle of the trailer just because he can just to prove a point is pretty dope. Um, and uh, yeah, let's let's talk about it, guys. The Batman. Uh, the new trailer is out. Scott, what? How, how many times have you seen it? How many times are you going to see it until 2021? And how did it make you feel? I, I think I've really not really been keeping up with this film since it was really announced because, well, well because really the DC films like, schedule-wise is all over the place. Because, uh, and uh, like, since the pandemic, we don't know when anything's coming out. So like, I remember hearing about Pattinson getting announced, and like I didn't try, I tried not to judge it too harshly, because like we've seen similar casting decisions made, and then they all, and then they usually work out. Uh, like I said, I didn't keep up with a lot, and then I, you showed with, you shared the trailer with us. I think I watched it shortly after Takeover, and even though it was like two in the morning, I was like, oh god, this looks good, because I think it was because it was so different, and then I started looking up things about it. Like I heard, like this trailer is so good, and yeah, apparently before the pandemic, the only shot. 25% of the film and this is the kind of thing you put together with only 25% of the film which I'm hoping is a good sign and like, I didn't even know half the cast in it and I looked up and a bit and I, like you said you've got Paul Dano as the Riddler, uh, Andy Serkis is being playing Alfred I keep forgetting about like stuff like that so like I really want to keep up with this film and what's going on because I don't know what their plans are going forward if they're going to be like a series I think maybe just focus on this one film first because, as you say, the, the response there is pretty positive and I think I hate it when films set up a film and just with the hopes of saying, oh, they've released however many films after it. Yeah, I think uh, Reeves' uh, plan is to do a trilogy. Uh, they have a, like a whole universe thing going though for it because there's going to be a GCPD show on HBO Max that focuses on the year before this movie takes place uh, about corrupt cops and the GCPD. And uh, whatnot, because this is considered a year two Batman story. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's looking really interesting. Nathan, uh, you've now watched the trailer, what, twice, two, three times? Yeah, I've watched it twice. And uh, just to echo everything Scott's saying, it looks super interesting. Robert Pattinson's casting originally obviously made a few people slightly concerned uh, but he is a fantastic actor and he looked the part for what they're going for they're obviously going super dark and super gritty but otherwise this film just has one hell of a cast 
Uh, we don't really know the story at the moment. Obviously, we can guess what it's going to be, which is that uh, the Riddler is causing tons of problems and Batman's got to sort that out. But you've got Zoe Kravitz in there, Selena Kyle, you've got Colin Farrell, you've got Paul Dano, you've got Andy Serkis, you've got Peter Sarsgaard, you've got John Turturro, before we even mentioned Jeffrey Wright as James Gordon, who looked the absolute part in this trailer to to pull that role off. And I think you just got the makings of something that could be pretty special. Obviously, it's got some big shoes to fill with Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy, but... Like, I think we could finally finally get the Batman film that we deserve and the one we want. Like, something that's, I'm looking at the cast right now and there's a couple of like young male actors who don't have like a character next to them on the IMDb page and I'm worried that one of them is going to be like young Bruce Wayne and like the 50th flashback to when his mum and dad die. Like we just have one film where we don't revisit how he became like how his parents died we know how it happened like yeah, and that exactly. was part of the reason i wasn't like keeping up with this film because i heard about rotten Pattinson getting cast and like so like how many batmans does that make it now and i was kind of almost done with it but i just goes to show how good this trailer was that it really pulled me back in just like okay I'm, I'm setting up i'm paying attention now that's the test of any hollywood director and this is matt reeves moment he has to direct and film a scene where bruce wayne's parents get killed Otherwise, he's not allowed to make a Batman movie. I mean, spe- rules. if it happens to play into the overarching like story that he's trying to create and stuff, then I can see it like see doing it again. Like if it matters at the end of like, say, if there are two or three or four movies in this series with Pattinson's Batman in this whole universe. If it plays into it, I, I can see doing it again. But if it doesn't and it's just there, like everybody fucking knows it's like batman 101 oh yeah his parents got killed in an alleyway boom they got shot pearls fell on the ground martha and you know like it's all there you know because like, that's the good thing about tom holland spider-man and uh, they went a tease like telling about the whole uncle ben and a bitten by a spider thing and then that like tony Stark just cuts them off because like it's a case of like you already know this by now and like so like they're not like anything like you're if you're watching a spider-man blade thing like you know the backstory and like if you're watching a batman film then there's a good chance you already know kind of the backstory and is it true from what i heard that this bat symbol in his chest is made out made out of like the gun that killed his parents or something like that that's uh like a story from i i don't remember which batman did it but there is a batman that did that in the comic books um, I'm not sure if they're going to run with that, but I mean, listen, I, I have all the faith in the world in it. I was one of the few people who was just like sort of excited when I heard Robert Pattinson. I was confused. Like in the first moment, I was like, oh, really? Uh, oh, OK, because he is very, very good. He had that movie, The Lighthouse um, with Willem Dafoe. Um, there was a couple films uh, before that, too. Ever, ever since Twilight was done, uh, it's he's it's been seeming that he's been trying to make a conscious effort to not be the shiny vampire guy anymore. So, I, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to literally everything. And the only thing I hate is that statistic where it says that only 25% of the movie is done because I want this movie now. I want it like I want it next week. That's it. That's when I want this movie. I appreciate can with I the fancy, trailer. Can I fancy book the, uh, the scene where his parents die? Yeah, sure. First scene is the movie of the movie is the riot from Joker and then his parents get killed and then this Batman movie starts. Oh yeah, because I forgot about that bit in the Joker because 
We had a Bernstein scene in that film, and it wasn't even about him. Just make that scene the first scene of this movie, so that you then know it's in the same universe. And then obviously you got to flash forward quite a few years until Robert Pattinson's done sucking necks, and then uh, he can be Batman. Well, I mean, he had to avoid Blade, so it took him a few years. I, I tweeted it the other day. Blade Two is still the best Batman movie. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, Someone well, else, Someone else from a DC fandom. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Have you seen the the teases? Yeah, there's no actual footage. It's more like concepts. But a uh, footage narrated by the Rock of his uh, Black Adam film. Uh, I saw some stills. I didn't watch the video. Uh, yeah. Tell 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 us all about it. Well, it's basically it was the one who was narrating kind of his backstory, and then there's one kind of teasing that we'll see like some members of like. The Justice Society in his film, like uh, Hawkman and Doctor Fate, are you know appearing in like it's set obviously years before like Shazam or any of the other films that they've recently done, and uh, like even says in one of the clips like before the Justice League there was a Justice Society, so it's set quite a long time ago. Every time someone says Hawkman, I just think of uh, Birdman from Rick and Morty. <laughs> Bird person. Bird, bird person. person. That's it, sorry. <laughs> Birdman, uh, every time somebody mentions Birdman, uh, I immediately think of Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. <laughs> and I begin to remember all the great things I loved about that show, like Peanut and uh, what's it called? Stephen Colbert's character, uh, his boss, Phil Ken Seven, that's his name. Ha ha ha! Dislocation. Um, <laughs> hey, lady, can I have a yank? Um yeah, uh, yeah. So before we start talking about uh, Harvey Birdman all day, um, I think with uh, with Black Adam, I, I just I saw the stills, but this movie's clearly not coming out for such a long time that I just don't really care about it yet. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, like gonna, Hobbs and Shaw. I'm just going to watch that again. That movie's fantastic. <laughs> it's the best movie ever made, other than Blade. Like, I'm looking forward to it mainly because like. Rock says that in the Black Adam film he's more of an anti-hero, but like eventually he's probably going to come up against like Zachary Levi's Shazam in a different film. And like I don't think we've seen the Rock properly as a bad guy in a film yet. And so like he was he was revealed as a baddie in that Get Smart film. I think that's the closest we've seen to playing a proper bad guy in a film. Um, yeah, it'll definitely be different when we end up getting that movie in 2026 or whatever by the time they fucking end up doing it. Speaking of movies that may may only come out next decade, The Flash movie was also talked about, where uh, Michael Keaton is also uh, on, but we get the multi-film rumored return of Batfleck. We're going to get more Batfleck, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, which, finally. Which all but means The Flash movie is uh, Flashpoint, so I need me some Jeffrey Dean Morgan being Batman. I need, like... I need me 12 or 13 Batman yeah. uh, in this movie, hands down. I want them to uh, digital death puppet or whatever they did to that guy in the Star Wars movies and bring Adam West back. There was like a short or something that came out around DC fandom where like they they like they like intercept a... I haven't seen it. My, my roommate just told me about it, uh, so I might be butchering it, but they intercept like a cross-dimensional... Uh, wavelength or something, and they end up doing mystery science theater to the 60s Batman series. 
Um, and that sounds fantastic to me. I haven't checked any of them out yet, but I think there's like a series of Batman shorts that came out over the weekend as well. Lots of Batman stuff uh, at DC, but also new Wonder Woman trailer. We got to see uh, Cheetah in action. Uh, I disagree with showing full Cheetah uh, personally, but... Uh, well, like never, never show full no, Cheetah. Never no, you, never, you never go full <laughs> Cheetah. Not in the trailer. Where do you go from there? Um, but you get like the lasso and her like using it on lightning bolts or whatever it is that she does uh, and stuff. But Wonder Woman 84 looks great. Um, that's also going to be coming out uh, sometime in the next 30 to 40 years. Um, Patty Jenkins has said that she has a three movie idea for uh, for Wonder Woman. So once Wonder Wonder Woman 84 makes a billion dollars, they'll bring her back for a third movie and then she's done after a third movie. Uh, but I hope Gal Gadot never ages so she can be the Wonder Woman we deserve. Uh, have you guys checked that trailer out at all? I haven't, yeah, I've been, I've been to be honest. To. But I know Chris Pine, isn't Chris Pine back? Chris Even Pine. though he died, I don't know how that works. Also, it's like twenty. It's like a long time after the first Wonder Woman. Like Wonder Woman 84 obviously takes place in the 80s. And the first movie, I think, took place, what, during one of the world wars? World War One, even yeah, even though it's a separate war, everybody was talking about well, it's basically the first Captain America, even though it's a completely different war. Completely different. <laughs> yeah, there uh, was a sequel to that war, don't worry, guys. Yeah, don't worry. Um, the uh, first for the first one for the people who thought that war was too short. <laughs> Always leave them wanting more. <laughs> if World War One didn't do it for you, then wait until you see what we've got coming up next. Yeah. I'm not going to enlist until the sequel. <laughs> Everyone knows the sequel's better than the original. They had time to build. <laughs> they know what they did wrong the first time around. They never what annexed of Poland, opinions in, case they never annexed Poland in the original. DC found it was just a lot of, yeah, we're going to do this. And we haven't finished this, but here's our idea. I heard somebody describe it as um, it's a lot of promises being made. They were doing it. it, it I heard somebody describe it as a uh, a victory lap for the stuff they haven't they haven't done yet. It's like an ex who was really shitty to you, who's coming up to you and just going, like, "I've changed. I've now got a job. I'm down at McDonald's <laughs> now." Okay, they made me assistant to the assistant manager. It's a big deal. <laughs> and then you, see Zach, then you see Zach Snyder there in the back talking about his cut and you're like oh, fuck you've not changed oh yes <laughs> yeah I, how can I forget four hours this movie is be, ladies and gentlemen four hours I'm looking forward to it they're going to release it in four one hour chunks and then I think once all four have aired you get to watch it all together like so if you got like if you call out of work one day you can make it a thing and watch Zack Snyder's Justice League I'm looking forward to it and all. Um, he, did you see him clap back at the dude on Twitter for saying that the trailer, uh, uh, like the trailer leaked before it got released, and it was all grainy and like bad looking and shit. And then the guy commented on it. This journalist commented on it where he's like, "Oh, so it's just like repurposed footage from the movie that we already saw, and it's going to be four hours." And uh, Zack Snyder tweeted at him, um, like. Oh, class act uh, commenting on a leaked trailer. Also, you called the first one 
you called the first one uh, an enjoyable time like you were watching uh, Saturday morning cartoons. But I have bad news for you. This movie is for adults. So you, it may be out of your demographic. Fucking uh, you see, like this is a thing with movies that like you hear so many people saying, "Oh, the original cut was this this long." Like, watch me. I think the final cut was like four hours, and then they had to shut it down. And even then, it got down to, like three or something like that, which is why I could never get to that full fucking movie. But like, it happens so often with movies, and like, if you need to cut it, it has to be cut down so much. And that we usually the final product that you, you think people would enjoy is like three hours or four hours. Either it's not good enough or you're doing far too much. Well, that's why uh, Christopher, to go back to Batman, Christopher, no, The Dark Knight is such a horribly cut movie when you actually watch the cuts in it. Every scene cuts off dramatically. And it's because he had to cut it for time because it was like three hours 20 originally. Or something crazy. So every scene, if you watch The Dark Knight, cuts off instantaneously as soon as people are done talking. Done. <laughs> so, but yeah, you are, I don't know why they decide to make all these movies. It's because they don't actually know what they want in the film to begin with. So they're like, we're just going to shoot everything and then we're going to throw away like 45 minutes of it later. Well, like the thing with the DC movies is that like I liked Man of Steel. I, I'm not I'm not ashamed Oof. to say it. I, yeah, I, I, I know. To- I liked Man of Steel. I thought it was fine. I've never been a big Superman fan, but I liked Man of Steel. And I think that the director's cut of Batman vs. Superman isn't as bad as the theatrical cut. Um, so with Justice League, like I just sort of want to see how those first two movies that he spent so much time on, how that was originally going to be planned out and finished you know, at this Justice League movie. So... I think that if it's got to be four hours to, you know, fix that up, then, like, fuck it. Like, I'm with it. Uh, I haven't watched The Hateful Eight, which is four hours long on Netflix. But uh, I'm interested enough in this to watch a four-hour version of the Justice League. I didn't hate Justice League. Then again, I never walked out of a Marvel movie in a theater going, like, okay, that happened. You know, like, you you know, so, like, I'm interested enough in it. That I'm definitely going to be checking it out. Uh, HBO Max is sort of, you know, delivered thus far for me, at least uh, falling asleep to Aqua Teen Hunger Force every single night for like the last two weeks. Um, so, yeah, man, I mean, HBO Max has got some good stuff coming to it. All the DC shows are moving over there. Titans announced that Barbara Gordon is going to be in there. Um, just trying to think of the stuff I remember from DC fandom before we move on. To the grapples. You guys got anything else from under the fandom you want to talk about? Not really. I, I was just going to say, I was echoing your sentiments about Man of Steel. Because I actually really like that film. And like, yeah, I've never really cared about Superman that much. And then I actually walked out of the like, I really like that film. Yeah, like, I remember. I had, no expect- I had no expectations at all. When I, I watched it. it. I watched it on a whim at home. Like, like I had never seen it in theaters or, or whatever. But I, I had it. Uh, somebody loaned me a copy to like, oh, dude, you got to see it. If you even if you don't like Superman, this movie's kind of dope. And I was like, ah, whatever. And it sat there for like weeks and weeks and weeks. And eventually, I just popped it on one day. And I was like, ah, fuck it. Let's let's see what's going on. By the time I came out of it, I was like, all right, that was fucking that was pretty good. I was never a big Superman guy, uh, to be honest. He's kind of like kind of a goody two shoes for my in my opinion. So like, I was just sort of like whatever with him. I was always more of a Batman guy. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Man of Steel. I thought Man of Steel was kind of dope. I liked it. 
issue issue with Superman is like people say he's overpowered, and that's because well, that's because he came out before majority of the superheroes that we actually know. So they gave him pretty much everything, and it just it got to a point where like, well, we can't take some of his powers away because then people will probably might be annoyed and say, "This isn't Superman. He's not got this or this." And the, the thing I what I learned after a couple of movies I've seen him in the role is Henry Cavill. He he looks good as Superman because he kind of he suits the role. Seeing anything else he's in, he's not good, like at all. I don't find him interesting at all. What Br- Brandon Routh? You said? No, uh, Henry Cavill. Brandon, oh, I'm, Brandon I'm Routh sorry. Is, he's great. I, after and, like, after Crisis, Adam, he's great. Yeah, he was after, okay in that Mission Impossible he was in. Oh, you mean the mustache that destroyed uh, Justice League? <laughs> I think it was the mustache's fault. <laughs> no, that's it. That's what I, I saw. Some mock-ups around the time that Mission Impossible movie was coming out, and it said Mission Impossible colon the mustache that destroyed the Justice League. <laughs> yeah, they did have to digitally edit it out because he couldn't shave it off because he had to then go shoot Mission Impossible straight away. Because no, he was like in the middle of it for the reshoots, and Paramount yeah, yeah. was like, "No, he can't shave it," and they were like, "Come on," and they were like. No, this movie's going to suck anyway. What are you talking about? Oh, I would have loved to have been in that meeting where they had to discuss whether they were going to let Henry Cavill shave his uh, moustache off. <laughs> you just hear... Uh, yes, uh, Mr. M- Mr. George, uh, we have DC Comics on the line. Uh, they want to <laughs> talk about Henry Cavill. Uh, okay, so let me guess. It's about the mustache? Uh, yeah, I guess uh, they mentioned the mustache a little bit. What should I tell them? Uh, hold on one second. Guys, come over here. And this whole like room of like bu- like board executives come around. And the one guy stands up and he goes, they're going to want us to shave the mustache. And everybody laughs uncontrollably for 20 minutes. And then they go, uh, Mr. George, uh, are they still on the line? Uh, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, then he hits the button. He goes, uh, tell them we say no. Okay. All right. They're not very happy. <laughs> I, I remember, like it was a thing that yeah, you can't see the mustache for, for for the film. I haven't seen the last Mission Impossible. What, what oh, difference good. does a fucking mustache make to a character? Like, is if yeah, his well, entire character arc would be ruined if he didn't have a fucking mustache? Cause yes, it would. Mustaches are powerful. I remember we're going to see Justice League, and actually the first law that he's in. I'm sitting there watching, like, I can't see anything, like, I can't even know. And then the first scene that, were, that was obviously part of the reshoots, I was just saying, like, oh, God, there it is. Yeah. Oh, God, look at his face. Once, once you notice that you can't not notice it. Fair. And moustache is a powerful thing. It gives it gives him an extra zip in his step. He wouldn't have been able to reload his biceps in that one fight yeah. scene with Tom Cruise if he didn't have the moustache available. That's called the Magnum effect. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here, here all week, ladies and gentlemen. That's a good joke. Yeah, it makes him look like a guy who, uh, you know, those people who can't finish their sentences, possibly, so they kind of go, oh, yeah, I'll meet you at about doopy uh, doopy doo. Like, and he just makes <laughs> noises. <laughs> like, he just looks like a really posh guy. He's like, ah, I don't know, Chrissy. I just don't know if we need another teapot. Like, <laughs> all right, gentlemen. How about we uh, how about we find our way into the Batmobile and walk ourselves over to the Thunderdome? 
Well, now, sit, uh, considering that we are stopped just in front of the Thunderdome, we might as well stop in at Full Sail University real quick and check out the sexiest takeover in history. NXT TakeOver 30, Triple X, took place, of course, at Full Sail University in Florida uh, just over the weekend. And uh, none of us have watched the pre-show, so for the sake of completion... I did. Oh, you did. Okay, so... Uh, we're going to start with the pre-show here at uh, NXT TakeOver 30. Brizango took on Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch and Legato Del Fantasma uh, for number one contendership to the NXT Tag Team Championships, currently held by Imperium. Scott, tell us about the pre-show match. It was all right. <laughs> 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 I, chose, I chose the wrong time to take a sip of my drink. <laughs> Uh, like just it was all right, all right. So like, cause like this pre-show was like half an hour, and even then they went to like ten or so minutes into the show to actually put the match on. So it felt like it was like in fast forward for the majority, for the, almost the entirety of it. Like Legado Del Fantasma were never gonna win it, cause like you know that they were just added in because we're like we need really need a heel team for this number one contenders match. We don't want people to have to choose between Lorcan and Bertrand Fandango or Bizango to choose who to boo. So, like, fuck it, let's put in there. Uh, let's put in these guys. Like, everybody did get like, their whole spot, and I was convinced Lorcan and Birch were, uh, were going to win, and then Bizango won. And, like, I don't want to go out and let me say this is definitely going to happen, but, like, considering they've lost to Imperium already, it makes me think that maybe they, they wouldn't give them another shot if they didn't have plans for them to maybe get the upset win. And then probably drop it back to Imperium at some point. Because, like, otherwise, why don't you just give it to Lorcan and Birch? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Brizango winning was definitely, uh, it is definitely a shock, really, because uh, I I was worried that Legato del Fantasma was going to win because uh, sometimes they have a tendency to try and uh, and just sort of, like push factions a little bit further above their station. Cause I think that it's too early for them. So pretty much anyone other than Legata del Fantasma for me is a solid choice in a six minute and 52 second match. That obviously meant the universe to NXT here tonight. Um, we're going to go right into the first match of the evening. Uh, Finn Balor taking on Timothy Thatcher in a singles match. It was 13 minutes and 30 seconds. And my feelings on this can be summed up thusly. I can only get so so excited for something until I actually burst at the seams. And this match made me practically burst at the seams. I loved it so much. Um, uh, also, I want to talk about the set. What did you guys think of the set? I'm going to start with Scott here. Scott, what did you think of the set and the opening contest between Finn Balor and Timothy Thatcher? Yeah, I really like the set. Like, it makes it kind of basic, but actually gave me vibes of, like, WrestleMania 30. Mm-hmm. When, they had, when they had the three X's. And really, what more did they need? They had the, they had the fire shooting out. And also they're in full sale also during the pandemic, so like they do the best with what they can. I mean, not every takeover needs a big set. I mean they already had the house for the last one. But and also Balor Thatcher, I mean I mean please, my penis can only get so erect. <laughs> 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 like I, I summed up like on Twitter like it it got given plenty of time. It all built up to something because like it was a allowed Balor to properly show his technical side because he had to try and out-wrestle Thatcher and then like he had the ankle injury which Thatcher worked over and then it's like the moment where Thatcher kind of 
moves it the way the coup de gras and then sees that his ankle's vulnerable and the wide-eyed look he gets was just perfect, especially given that me and Paul were doing our own predictions against each other on TakeOver and I had that he had Valor and I was basically yelling at my TV, kill him! Kill him now! When he had that <laughs> wide-eyed look. Uh, I should point out here, me and Paul's predictions ended in a tie, so nothing got resolved there. And so, yeah, a bad weekend overall for me, predictions-wise. So, as you can hear, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you want pulse-pounding ties, like in the Premier League or something, go over to SP Rambling on Twitter. Or if you want clear-cut, decisive winners, like in the NHL or the NFL, you come right over here to Rogue Opinions. That's essentially what you're saying, right, Scott? That's such an American takeaway to that statement. <laughs> I'm just saying, just saying when it ends in a tie, it's as if it didn't, it didn't even happen. So, yeah. um, I, I, thought Nathan, I thought Nathan was the arsehole of the group, but clearly you both oh, share that. Uh, I'm, I'm from, I'm from the New York city area, man. We can out asshole like a lot of people. Yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty like, I'm from New Jersey. We're pretty keen on being the biggest assholes in the room. Uh, Nathan, what did you think? No, I'm just Cello. super nice. Fellow, fellow, biggest asshole in the room. What did you think of the uh, the opening and the uh, the entrance? Uh, yeah, the set set was cool. It was nice. I can't picture it in my mind. <laughs> but I remember thinking it was pretty cool. Uh, the match was awesome. It was just fantastic. Just two people, at times legitimately, just being a shit out of each other. Uh, the wide-eyed look from Thatcher when Balor missed a coup de gras was stunning and I thought Bala was was about to die. Uh but I think the right person probably won. Well definitely. Uh I think Finn Bala needed needed the win. It was just it was just great. Fantastic match. Do you think this is them uh because of you know uh ex- like extreme circumstances that we are all in at the moment that this is them sort of pivoting away from fully pivoting away from Balor going after Walter in the UK title and possibly having him go up against Cross next? I think so because I think Balor was he he got hurt booking wise quite a lot more than everyone else because he was about to step into this absolutely stellar feud with Walter without a doubt it was going to be great matches probably a series of matches for a while and uh, and then he was kind of left massively in limbo but I, I I think you can easily build Balor up to challenge for the title at any time and I wouldn't be against him being the first challenger for Cross spoilers by the way well yeah yeah I mean if you're listening to this without having seen a takeover okay um Scott, same question, but also, um, do you think that maybe we're entering sort of a, uh, I don't want to say hot potato era of the NXT title, but like, because we've had such long reigns for so many people and, uh, it was reported that cross suffered a shoulder injury. So if they do springboard Balor into cross, is this maybe sort of like a, like sort of a contentious period for the NXT title coming off of such a, uh, like a long reign that Adam Cole had? I think I could see it happening because I think they're definitely positioning Balor in that top position from the offset when he came back because his first segment was confronting Adam Cole shortly after a successful retention. Uh, obviously, I not want to get too far ahead, but I was thinking maybe they could send him back after the North American belt, given that he beat the guy who won the ladder match not too long ago at a different takeover. So maybe that could be his kind of stopgap thing now. 
I feel bad for basically the UK in general. I mean, we might talk about what happened with them later. But like it was clear with Dublin, the takeover, they had such big plans. Like Walter v Balor would probably be a match of the year candidate guaranteed. They're probably going to put the belt on Balor and use that to help try and elevate the brand. And then just everything went to hell. And I think out of everything in WWE, they've been hit the most because they haven't been able to do shows like at all. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. But uh, having recently watched uh, some of the UK indie stuff that went over onto the network, I checked out that uh, Evolve show that ends, not Evolve, uh, Progress show that ended with uh, Walter versus Ilya Dragunov. And I checked out like some of their feud that was going on there. um, And that match is going to be stupid. Like, it's just going to be stupid. Um, So, I mean, I think they were fine either way. But imagine like... Ilya Dragunov versus Finn Balor and Walter and Balor that now probably won't happen until next year, year after somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, yeah, it, it just, I, I think this match was good for, for Balor, good for the division and you know, the, the great, great opening contest. I think match, match of the weekend candidate for me, really. Yeah. Cause like they, they really started off strong and I was like, I don't, and wasn't sure where they could go from there. And the fact that the ladder match went second, when part of me thought they really should have may have ended with it, is just a, a strong statement. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, speaking of that ladder match that went second, next up is the ladder match second for the vacant NXT North American Championship. It goes about 21 and a half minutes. Uh, and we had Damian Priest, Bronson Reed, Cameron Grimes, Johnny Gargano, and um, that other guy. Uh, all trying to murder one another for the NXT North American Championship. And uh, I thought this match was fucking awesome. Bronson Reed came out with his little tribute to uh, the Beast from the East uh, himself, Mr. Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. And as a New Jersey boy, love that call out. Uh, I think that Bronson Reed has really stepped up lately and good to see him in there. Cameron Grimes nearly died three times in the course of this match. And Johnny Gargano nearly died uh, on uh, on NXT on Wednesday, so uh, I was really into this match, and somehow, some way, even though I was happy that one person didn't win, the person I wanted to win least after that won, and Damian Priest walked away as the new North American champion. Nathan, I know that you are a fan of the Archer of Infamy, so please enthrall us with your feelings on uh, this ladder match for the North American Championship. Yeah, this was carnage. Uh, this reminded me of when the Money in the Bank match used to be at WrestleMania and it would just be Shelton Benjamin trying to kill everyone by jumping at them. <laughs> and then you would just also have Kane in most of them as well, who was Bronson Reed in this case, uh, just throwing meat around. Quick question uh, Quick question for you. Was it because of Flames? Uh, yes. Awesome. Go Continue, continue. <laughs> yeah, you just Bronson Reed just throwing falls and Cameron Grimes might be in a good way for a wrestler be the most annoying human being on the planet Cameron Grimes yeah possibly the most just just so irritating Johnny Gargano was great Damien Priest did some awesome kicks uh, like the one where he kicked uh, I guess he who shall not be named off of the ladder by booting him in the knee uh, that was really cool even though I'm not sure if that was meant to happen or not or if they just managed to work around it uh yeah some good comedy spots as well like when cameron grimes legs got separated and bronson reed just looked between him and was like what's up dude 
and yeah, it was it was great. It was chaotic, and I was happy that Priest won. Priest never wins anything, like not even matches most of the time. So it's nice to see him get a big win. I think he's got good a good upside. He has he has a bit of Scott Hall about him. And yeah, they mentioned that uh, during his entrance uh, when he uh, came out under one of the ladders. Um, I think yeah. it was was it uh, Vic Joseph who said that uh, he was modeling after he was like modeling it after uh, Razor Ramon, who's his uh, his idol or whatever. Probably should be. They both they both they both speak exactly the same. and yeah sounds like damien priest sounds like that guy in like locked up abroad who like can't have his face shown and it has to have his voice distorted but like they never turn the voice distortion off so that's just how he speaks great great ladder match fantastic ladder match and Um, bronson reed bronson reed has really stepped up in nxt and hopefully he's cemented his place kind of upwards on the card now and he's not just going to disappear. Also, I think it should be it should be noted that his uh, championship photo with uh, Papa Papa Triple H uh, at the uh, the jacuzzi with the with the women and the belt and everything was phenomenal. Uh, Scott, what did you think of the ladder match? Like, I was kind of nervous going into it because also the last time they did a ladder match with the North American title on the line, it got five stars. I, I felt people were going to make that, those comparisons, but. As further they got, the further they got into it, the more they kept trying to kill each other, especially Cameron Grimes, because I'm like, it got to the point where like, just give the guy the belt, even if he wasn't planning to, just give him the belt. The poor guy deserves it, because <laughs> they just keep trying to kill the guy. He played the role of Kenny in this match from South Park. Because looking at the dynamic of the match, you had Bronson, Priest, and uh, Grimes, that's like newer guys, and you've got Gargano and Patrick, who are former North American champions, so like the idea of the like the guys who have never been the champion versus the two established guys, and I think if you had either Reed Grimes or Priest win, it was it made sense because the whole point we vacating the belt was he said he wanted to give people an opportunity, so if he gave either of those three the belt, he really fulfilled that purpose. I think it made sense for for uh, Priest to win. Given that he's like, he's been put in a high-profile position recently against Balor, and he said matches against Lee when Lee was the champion, and I think he needed to win something eventually. And given also he's got the kind of the fire thing in his entrance, and also given the way the logo is styled on, take where I imagine like they'd have like this kind of that visual of him holding the belt and the whole living forever. Now that he's actually won a championship, and once they started to come around to Priest, actually like him now, the the celebration was awkward. Like he just jumps in with his leather, he's got his leather trousers on, and he's still got his shoes on. Like, who jumps into a hot tub with their shoes still on? Chris Jericho. Cool people. Oh, okay, sorry, I went in too fast. No, no, I mean, <laughs> I, I respect, I, I respect where you were going with that, but uh, Jericho literally was just in a hot tub in leather trousers and shoes, like a few, a few months ago on Dynamite. All right, I, re- I retract. Cool people. Thank you. Thank you. Founding member of the Big Timing Fucks Hall of Fame, by the way. Yeah, and he just feels he seems like a bit of a prick, right? Lately. And well, COVID COVID concerts aside, I'm sure he's a pleasant fellow. Um, yeah, doubt it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, Damien Priest also Damien Priest's entrance looked cool with the three screens and stuff. Uh, I thought that like worked out for him. Um, but uh, 
This oh, ladder match we, was awesome. Jimmy, we, we had a great idea for Damien Priest to improve his gimmick. Street magic. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I had mentioned to uh, Nathan in the, uh, was it the group chat or was it just me texting you? I don't it's in our private chats away from Scott. Okay. Because uh, that, uh, that's how I obviously know that Nathan is a fan of Damien Priest. So I, I mentioned that he sort of resembles Chris Angel to me. And Nathan said that uh, if he came out doing street magic, that would be amazing. And we agreed. And he should come out ripping off, what was it, ripping off marks in the front row for 50 bucks? Yeah, front row marks. He should start coming out with a table and then those cups. And he's like, where's the ball when he puts it under the cups? <laughs> <laughs> just just getting, just getting loads of magic, doing where's, well, which is your card and stuff like that. It'd be great. Oh, My other okay. idea was he should actually start coming out with an actual bow and arrow. Oh, true. Yeah. Why not? Anyway, one of the uh, biggest headlining matches of the night, uh, Adam Cole taking on Pat McAfee. This match goes 16 minutes and 12 seconds, according to Wikipedia. Uh, and honestly, I was super excited going in, and this match really fucking delivered. The pre-match promo that he cut was fine. It was good. It was, you know, I, I've seen a lot worse. And then his performance in the ring um, was outstanding. He mentioned on his show, uh, Pat McAfee, this is, mentioned on his show that uh, he did not think he was going to make it to the top rope when he went to jump for Adam Cole for the superplex. Um, uh, him jumping out onto the guys was planned, but also not planned because he was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do up here. Okay, yeah, and then jumped out onto the people on the outside. Um, the ending was a little funky uh, for me, to be honest with you. But honestly, this delivered, and I, I don't think it could have gone much better than it did. Um, Scott, I'm going to start with you on this one. What did you think of the in-ring debut of former NFL punter Pat McAfee as he took on Adam Cole? I know you weren't looking forward to it as much. You were kind of dreading it, but what did uh, how'd you feel afterward? So did we move on from the ladder match without mentioning the fact that Reed jumped off the ladder with Candice LeRae on his back? Oh, fuck. Yeah, we did do that. Uh, uh, Bronson Reed, uh, if you haven't seen it, thanks for listening. Uh, Bronson Reed uh, was up on the ladder and he jumped off with uh, fucking Candice LeRae on his back onto Johnny Gargano. I'm fairly certain Johnny Gargano died in that moment. Um. But yeah, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing that they had that she was out there. Yeah, I liked her, her getting involved. And as as far as the match, like I said on Twitter, they would have to have done a lot to convince me that a Pat McAfee win would have been the good a, a good idea. But thankfully, they they didn't do that. And they had Adam Cole win as he should have. Yeah, I, I was surprised by the the backflip on Lando on his feet and then also going up to the top rope. Uh, they did play their strength like they stalled at the start and then had them do the big dive on everybody. Uh, I'm wondering if 16 minutes may have been a bit too long. Like, I mean, he was good, but you know he's no Lawrence Taylor. You watch your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is not a good comparison at all. That match is awful. Well, it's got Big Bam Bam in it. He, he helped carry him. Yeah, but this was two guys. I'm, I'm going to have to disagree wholeheartedly. I think that this was two guys. Pat McAfee's had a ring for at his house for years. 
he's had sort of a like more than just two weeks. He's worked that into the storyline where he's had two weeks to prepare. But Pat McAfee's been planning on this for years. Adam Cole is a great wrestler. And I think that Adam Cole did have to do a little bit of heavy lifting. But I think Pat McAfee more than lived up to his side of the bargain here. Um, it's definitely better than LT and Bam Bam. Fair play him for agreeing to take the any first matter agreeing to they have the finish being a, a Panama Sunrise because like basically like it's the first match how are we going to end it oh yeah I'm just going to flip over and drop you on your neck are you cool with that yeah all right yeah I mean it's the, 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 like I said the ending was funky to this match I mean Nathan what did uh, join in here what did you think of uh, Pat and Adam and their little squabble <laughs> little squabble. <laughs> I oh, there was I, there was water me thrown. To grow up. <laughs> there was there, there was water thrown and a microphone was broken and a producer got pushed. Whoa, <laughs> whoa! This is definitely worse than when Triple H fucked a corpse. Hundred percent. This was a this was what a problem for the ages. <laughs> Jesus. That's when we flash back to that roar when uh Vince when. I think it was Stone Cold through a microphone and Vince and I went, they're worth $50,000. <laughs> what a thrill it was. Um, yeah, this match was, was way better than it should have been. Like, I, I know Adam Cole is obviously one of the best wrestlers on the planet and everything like that, but he's in there with a complete novice. And I think Pat, uh, for all this, he, he looks super annoying a lot of the time, but... The guys clearly got a little bit of a, a little bit of a talent for this. Uh, I don't. The promo before the match was a little bit ropey, uh, but I think he he got his point across. He must have been nervous as all hell, and to go out there and in your debut put on a takeover quality match. We're not talking like Monday Night Raw. You could, you're in a six man tag for some reason, uh, and you're just a celebrity. He's on a takeover. That's high standard shit. Like, there's an expectation on the takeover, and I think Pat more than lift, more than did enough to warrant hopefully doing some more in the future. The leap to the top right was great. The backflip spot was awesome. The leap to the outside, he's brave. And I think the bar should be, was he better than Stephen Amell? Yeah, he was better than Stephen Amell. Well, yeah, I mean, that was also a tag match. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, I was actually thinking, I forgot about that, I was thinking of the Christopher Daniels match. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> I forgot oh. about that tag match. <laughs> and, uh... See, I'm such in, like, a WWE, my, my first place, the first place my mind went to was that SummerSlam match with Neville and everything. Yes. Um, oh, fuck you, Christopher Daniels, apparently. No, 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 you're right, um, I'd actually put both of them up on the same level, I think. I think I'd put Pat and uh, Pat McAfee and Stephen Amell on the same level there. I think both of those matches are pretty much they're about the same length of time. They're in there with the guys who have been wrestling around, you know, like they've been wrestling a long time. So I don't know. The, I think what's the best? What's the best ever celebrity match? David Arquette. <laughs> <in> the world. <laughs> All right. So between so Pat McAfee between a Lawrence Taylor and a David Arquette, you're a Stephen Amell. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, now we're talking David Arquette against Nick Gage, with where he almost gets his throat slit open, or was that the one where he was like, "I've got friends' money, idiot," to that crowd member? <laughs> I think yeah. so. I think so. I mean, yeah, that was definitely as he promised he would be. He's definitely better than fucking Tyson Fury. 
because the Titan Fury match was garbage. I forgot that even happened. It went far too long, even though it was only like five or so minutes. And it took that long for the boxer to decide, you know, I could throw a punch and I'd probably win. Well, look, along with a punch, because I'm a boxer. You fucking idiot. A lot of it is who they're in the ring with. Now, I'm pretty sure that any three of us could have a good match with Adam Cole. Looks with Adam Cole, he fucking everything. And it's under three minutes because we're all incredibly unfit. You'd all all have a great match with Christopher Daniels, but I think Daniels would be a bit stiff with you, Nathan, after this plug. (laughs) (laughs) Why? What did I do? Oh, sorry, no, no, Jimmy. It would be you, he would be stiff because you're the one who. Never mind. Jimmy, I was thinking. I'm sure me and the Fallen Angel will get along swimmingly. He likes to have a good time with uh, the boys in SCU! Uh, So. He would be stiff with Nathan after I, I took him aside and explained to him just how much of a prick Nathan is, and then he'd get on board. <laughs> you know what, fuck it. I'll, I'll have beef with Christopher Daniels. <laughs> you know what, fuck you, Christopher Daniels. You're no fallen angel. Keanu Reeves, he's talk, the only fallen angel. Just talk to him about Curry Man. Yeah, Curry Man was shit. Dick. Wow. Wow. Go, uh, go collect your social security, you ass. Well, moving along from AARP to the women's division of uh, NXT, singles match for the NXT Women's Championship, 17 and a quarter minutes, uh, goes to Io Shirai defeating Dakota Kai with Raquel Gonzalez in her corner. Um, this match was all right. It was okay. Uh, it was good. It was fine. Uh, I think there were better women's matches this weekend. Uh, but on the night, I would. I just remember thinking... Uh, not, I'm sorry, not thinking for a second that Dakota Kai was going to beat Io Shirai. So that's my takeaway from this. I knew, I pretty much knew Shirai was going to win. Um, fucking uh, Scott, you're first. What did you think of the uh, women's championship match? Fucking Scott. <laughs> well, he lost, okay? He lost. Yeah, not Paul. <laughs> Fuck you. You'd be lucky to have Paul on this podcast right now. You don't deserve Paul. Bring him in! Yeah, I wish Bring we could him in. <laughs> uh, he's probably still in back right now. So am I, but I'm fucking here. <laughs> what did you oh, think of the goddamn women's match? God, tell us about the match. God damn it. I actually didn't like it. All right. Oh, man. It's like, I was looking forward to this. You know, I love EO. Dakota's heel work's been great. I think she had a weird period where she wasn't really doing anything or she was just in random time matches, but I was glad she was back going after the actual title for once. And I was just watching the match and thinking, like, I am not into this. and I don't know why. I just couldn't get into it. Maybe it's maybe it's because, like, Nathan said, or, like, Jimmy said that I didn't think Dakota was going to win. But, like, I think even then they could have a good match that would make me believe it just for a second. But whatever, whatever they did, they just sat there, like, I'm glad this is getting time, but it's just not working for me. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree, just because Dakota, they didn't spend, like, entirely too much time making me believe, I mean, even in the weeks prior, that Dakota Kai was going to have, like, any real chance against Shirai. Uh, Nathan, do you agree? Or did you love this? <laughs> no, I agree. I didn't really like it either. Like, NXT Men's Championship up next. Yeah. No, go ahead. <laughs> the, the match was fine. Like it was pretty good. It was kind of 
how many times can they mention Kai has a knee brace? Like on commentary. So it's like they were playing a drinking game of who can mention it more. But I never thought Kai was going to win. Like There was nothing wrong with the match. It was just one of those ones where you're like, well, I know she's not winning. So, uh, But they still had a good match. They told a good story. I kind of found myself wishing it was EOV Gonzalez at points. <laughs> I just think that maybe there's just a little and large kind of matchup that I'd like to see. And... Um, but I never thought Kai was going to win. And it's a shame because I like Kai and her heel turn has done wonders for her. But it, it was a, there's more interesting matchups ahead for EO, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Um, let me ask you, uh, this is, I guess, the best time to bring this up. Uh, as someone who watches SmackDown every week, Nathan, uh, how wonderful was it to hear Corey Graves sort of return to form a little bit on uh, TakeOver where... He wasn't, you could almost tell that he wasn't really being talked at in his headset a lot. Like, it was more of NXT TakeOver Corey Graves. Uh, I don't know what you mean. No, I do. Um, hearing Corey Graves do commentary without her, him obviously having to blur out the fact he's being screamed at uh, is nice. It's like when Michael Cole did the, was it the UK tournament? Yeah, and yeah. Everyone was suddenly like, "Oh shit, Michael Cole's good at his job." <laughs> like, uh, it was nice. It was a relaxed. Um, I wish Mauro was there. Uh, I don't know. I can't. Rem- I know there's rumors of reasons why he wasn't on the show and everything like that. Uh, I can't remember what they are. To be honest, I don't know. Do you guys know what they were? No, uh, no but- they never mentioned it. It was a few hours before the show that they just sort of announced that he wasn't going to be there yeah. before he was. Yeah, there was like some rumors of reasons, but I don't know if they're true or not. That message, Jamie, like, what the fuck is? I joke me like, what the fuck? Why the fuck is this big time fuck here? And reference to Vic Joseph, because like he was there recording. Corey was great, as you guys mentioned. Beth was clearly not there. She was over like Zoom or something. I was sure that like they had Tom Phillips in the arena while Beth and Mar were over Zoom. So, like, it's also not, like, a travel issue. So, like, I have no idea why Mara wasn't there. Um, but, no, it was, it was great. I thought commentary was good the entire show. Uh, I think Beth is really coming into our own and everything. Uh, Vic is... He's a slightly annoying voice. But I probably shouldn't throw stones. And, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I... Uh... As much as I dis, as much as I have disdain for one Vic Joseph, uh, for big timing me outside of Caroline's on Broadway in New York after Summer Sam a couple of years ago, I'm watching you, motherfucker. I, I, I know where you work. Um, I just think that I, I just think he did a good job overall, uh, although he is brutally annoying from time to time. But it did help that uh, Corey Graves was on him for being brutally annoying, and Beth was awesome. Beth was as good as she's always been. Um, this was a good night for her. Uh, she didn't have to leave commentary at any point, so there is that. Um, I remember I didn't like Beth at first, and then, like, she, like you guys said, she got into her own. And I think the issue with her was when she first got brought in, it's basically just whenever there was a women's segment or a women's match, they used Beth, and the first few months she was on, basically, like, Beth, you're also a woman who wrestles. <laughs> you must have an opinion. <laughs> That was all you really used her for, because that's when she got the most time to talk. 
Or, and then she's yeah. got like sound bites during other stuff. And I think now that they've actually let her be, have time to actually explain shit and actually be part of the team. Like, she's, so she's not, they're not making the same mistakes they did with Renee when she was a commentator. It's just Morrow is just over there just screaming and yelling about like, say like Dakota Kai gets like crotched on the top rope or whatever. And he's just like, Mama Mia, Beth, as a woman with a uterus, you, how does that feel when you were up on the top rope? And she's just like, not great, not great, Morrow, not great. But then a couple of months later, she really came into it. Yeah, for sure. Jimmy's showing his understanding of women's biology. <laughs> so, yeah. Uterus. How far did the rope go into her? Jesus. Well, it's, it's a devastating <laughs> maneuver. Um, there uh, was that. There was that point when they did the when they first phoned uh, phoned when they first rang the bell for the women's match, and I can't remember if it was Vic or Corey who went, Beth, as someone who's been in a match like this, <laughs> what do you? I was like, oh, okay, we're doing that still, are we? <laughs> Because we're not allowed to face women. How does it feel to get punched in the tit? I gotta know. But we can't hit women anymore, but... <laughs> anymore. <laughs> well, no, because, like, men v. women in a wrestling ring isn't believable. <laughs> according to, like, Seth Rollins or whoever else. Scott just backhanding his women back I wasn't aware. Place. I wasn't aware Carl came to the A-team today with his <laughs> problematic... We're not allowed to hit those women anymore. Yeah, well, ever since the 70s, and they burned their bras, and no, they're not all about standing in the kitchen anymore. I remember when you were able to hit a smack on when she spoke up. That's my <laughs> Take me back to the 70s where men were champions and women knew their place. <laughs> before we get cancelled, ladies and gentlemen, these are jokes. This is what joking sounds like. Ah, in Carl's youth in like the 17th century if you punched a woman the entire street came out to applaud <laughs> please send, please send a feminist if you're listening to this which I don't understand why you would at this point but if you are listening to this make sure to send pictures of your used tampons to Ben underscore B-E-R-T <laughs> Jesus Christ um, and tell him how bad uh, misogynistically we're being here um, and you can fuck off while we move on to the main event of the evening carrying cross challenging for the NXT championship against one, the uh, the limitless one, Keith Lee, that I got to throw one of these in here, um, that uh, if you uh, go and check out the Pro Wrestling Magic YouTube channel, we have a match between Hardcore Holly and Keith Lee up right now that you can go and check out that I did commentary on. Jesus. <laughs> really? Yeah. Hardcore Holly versus Keith Lee took place at Pro Wrestling Magic back in 2017. I did commentary on it this Sunday, uh, a little bit after he was announced to be on Raw. Thank you very much. Um, and it's a great match. The, they, the, these two gigantic men slap each other around for 20 minutes, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I had a lot of fun calling it. But tonight, Keith Lee was up there defending his NXT championship uh, against Karrion Cross, and this match was a match. It happened for 20 minutes. It was cool. It was well-wrestled. It was good, but it wasn't exactly the barn burner I was sort of hoping for and or expecting. Um, Nathan, I'm going to go to you first on the main event here. What did you think of uh, where we ended up with uh, this main event? Karrion uh, Cross's entrance is spectacular. Uh, his wrestling is not like it. it was, this match was fine. Uh, it was just two kind of 
big men hitting each other a lot. One of them continuously trying for the same submission. Uh, it, 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 was, it was fine. Like I feel like this this NXT kind of whimpered this to a finish a little bit. This takeover, like it was cool to see Karrion Cross get his moment. Like. And then to see why it happened now, we know Keith Lee's going up to the main roster, so that's why Karrion Cross won. I don't know how bad the alleged shoulder injury is, but this it felt like it never got going. Kind of it, it kind of it was it was stuck in fourth and couldn't get to fifth this match a little bit. Uh, but Karrion Cross is almost more a character than he is a wrestler. He's kind of a bit like the fiend in that sense. But the entrance was very cool. Um, yeah, that was kind of it. It was fine. Uh, I have to thoroughly uh, disagree with you on the entrance, but I want to get thought, uh, Scott's thoughts first on the um, the main event here. Scott, what did you think of Karrion Cross and Keith Lee? I want to first apologize for that weird road I took us there earlier. I mean, I think it's all the 99 WWF I've been watching where like China gets hit with hammers and everything like that. So I've been put in a weird mindset after all that. You get it. You hate women. Move on. <laughs> I don't. This is, oh, I'm not even. I'm not even doing this <laughs> yeah, I liked it. Like I wasn't my favorite match tonight, but what I liked about it is, like, you weren't really sure how to judge it, how it was gonna go, because like you didn't really think either guy could lose. Getting across is so fresh, and also Lee only had the belt on for so long, like for like so such a short amount of time. And obviously, in hindsight, with the raw move, it makes a lot of sense. What I like, though, is they didn't do what they did with Champa, and that even though the Champa course was quite effective, like they gave it time, they made Cross kind of earn the title, and that Keith Lee wasn't like everybody else. Like he had to probably do, he had to do his finish off like the middle turnbuckle in order to put Keith Lee away. And also, it didn't make Keith look too weak in that he survived everything like the cross dragon. He managed to like get the arm back up and fight it out of it. So, like, I think they protected each guy as as much as they could have. It's a shame, obviously, Lee had such a, a short title reign. Like, I think he said shortest, second shortest of all time, possibly. Uh, after like some module, like week long with it, but and a lot of people were quite angry about it. But I think it's a case of like. Ever since Survivor Series, he's probably wanted to get Keith Lee up sooner rather than later. And Triple H is probably been like, well, I want to get him a few, like, some title reigns in NXT. So I think, like, the dual title reign as well as popping a reign, as we talked about in the last podcast, was probably like, well, now we can say he's both a North American and NXT champion. And also, like, we can say he's a former champion. And on his way out, he can help us put over this big guy that we also want as the big... Uh, as the big monster final boss of our brand and if anyone's going to be that role crosses the guy although like i think i'm sure we'll talk about the injury and like i have a bad feeling that's going to eliminate this victory and hindsight look kind of bad uh i definitely do want to talk about the injury just a little bit but but first i something else stood out to me uh as we record this on a tuesday uh last night on wwe raw uh keith lee premiered with different theme music and different gear. The internet is up in a big old tizzy about it, and I actually am on the side of it. I think that his theme is, uh, it should have stayed. He had a whole entrance worked out with it and everything, and it was great. 
Um, and his gear is not the same. Like, why would you change it? I don't understand. Like, why put him in a shirt and baggy pants? I don't. I don't understand. Did you guys see any of that? And do you have any thoughts on Keith Lee's premiere on uh, Raw? Yeah, the music is dumb. Hopefully, they see the reaction and change it back straight away. The gear, I think, is more of a complicated issue because, as my understanding is, the wrestlers for the most part get their own gear sorted. I remember when this happened with Killian Dane. Remember when he was in the the uh, whatever you call it, like the wrestling suit, like the one piece one. And then the singlet? Was, yeah, the singlet, that's what they call it, sorry. And then uh, everyone was having a go at Dodori on Twitter, and then he tweeted something saying, like, sorry, guys, this is on me. I got the singlet sorted. So I don't know if that's just something Keith Lee was trialing, but hopefully he goes back to his other gear. Otherwise, I like his debut. To get thrown straight into a feud with Randy Orton is that's a big deal. So they clearly have big plans for him. They clearly like him after Survivor Series last year and the Rumble appearance as well with Brock. So uh, hopefully they just change the music back and buy better shorts, I guess, is the message. Damn right, Keith Lee, buy better shorts. Uh, but Cross probably um, should have gotten a better shoulder because apparently his shoulder <laughs> is is separated. Um <laughs> Scott, Scott, talk to me about also not only the the entrance and the gear, but uh, also what, if any, impact this might have. Uh, forgive the pun; I didn't I didn't mean that uh, on uh, Cross's title reign. Yeah, because uh, the gear I didn't actually notice it all that much. Uh, I like the promo cut, and I'm hopeful that maybe they'll have some scenarios with Drew that allows Keith to get the win because. He kind of looked bad if he just had Orton punt him at, and win at payback. Uh, the, the music is jarring, especially because they have it start like his old one and then go into this new stuff. It's just like it's like a really bad mashup of two wrestlers' theme songs, but like it's just the one song. So like, why start with that other one? Oh man, let's go completely new. But I, I don't get it. The cross thing, yeah, it's going to be one of those ones like in hindsight, like, oh, Google, oh, why did you put the belt on cross? Like, oh, because we didn't realize he'd fuck his shoulder in the match. And I think it just depends how bad it actually is. Like, he's able because the champions don't often, especially the main champion, doesn't often wrestle that much on TV. At least they don't used, didn't used to. So he can kind of maybe get to the next takeover and let it heal for a while if it's not too serious. If it is serious, then. I have a bad feeling yeah, they might have to vacate it, which would kind of hinder and also, like he said, the whole hot shot of the belt recently. I mean, I think the fact that he might have to vacate the belt and the fact that Benin's champ is coming back on Wednesday is very interesting, especially after we were chatting about those comments he made a few months back. Yeah, so I mean, it is definitely an interesting time uh, here in, in the land of NXT. Uh, we can only look forward to tomorrow to see uh, what's going to happen. Um, and, uh, hopefully, uh, we'll have some answers, uh, as soon as possible. I haven't seen anything on the cross injury, so hopefully it's not as bad, uh, as it is, but also Nathan, I wanted to argue with you for a second about the entrance. I think, uh, why do the full entrance all the time? I am over it. Like, I get it. You're spooky. You have wings and some smoke. Cause it's takeover and it's not just takeover. It's the sexiest takeover. 
So you got to do you got to do the big entrance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get it for takeovers and stuff, but at this point, because it's every single time this dude walks out or has a thought or anything, we have to sit through at least ninety seconds of Scarlet Bordeaux, like, like just lip syncing. Yeah, that's worse things to do with your time. That's fair. That's very very fair. Uh, next up, we're gonna venture inside the Thunderdome. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, three men enter. Only one man will leave as we walk into WWE's Thunderdome for WWE SummerSlam 2020, the craziest year of all of our lives. Uh, As mentioned, it takes place from the Thunderdome inside the Amway Center in Orlando, Florida. Not Destin, Florida, Orlando. Um, So... Uh, on the pre-show, this is the pre-show none of us watched, right? Hey, I watched the... Of course oh, you did! I, 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 it was actually pretty good. Like, the pre-show panel for once was good. Because, like, yeah, JBL on... Yeah, Booker T kept insinuating that nobody likes Charlie Caruso, which was a shock to Charlie Caruso. Uh, Renee Young was there basically not giving a fuck because it's our last night. And, like, they, jo- they talked about the, the loser leaves match, and they said to Renee, what's worse, losing your hair or losing your job? And she says, well, I'll find out soon enough. <laughs> uh, and then Apollo v. MVP was a nothing match. Like, it was literally nothing you wouldn't expect to see. Like, they could have had the match on Raw, you wouldn't know the difference. Because, like, the finish was, oh, MVP gets out of Apollo's finisher, tries his own, Apollo gets out of that, then hits the finisher. What a... What the hell was the point of him carrying the finisher if he was just going to hit it again 10 seconds later? It was shit. They've changed MVP's theme song to a British song used for a wee while before it got released the first time. And the Hurt Business have got new t-shirts, which look cool. So there you go. There's an hour's worth of content summed up for you in a couple of minutes. That's why I'm here. That is... That is why you were here. But while we are all here, the main show starts off with the SmackDown women's title match. Bailey with Sasha Banks, takes on Asuka. This match goes about 11 and a half minutes. And uh, Asuka loses to Bailey after a distraction from Sasha Banks and Bailey and they the numbers game, all that sort of jazz. But this match was a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed this match a whole bunch. Uh, Nathan, I'm going to start with you. What did you think of the SmackDown Women's title match? Yeah, it was a ton of fun. I was worried they were just going to do the thing where they just attack Asuka like before the match and the both of them just beat her down so that Bailey gets an easy win and then it sets it up. But they didn't. And they, Bailey and Asuka had a pretty damn good match and a great opener. Yeah, the distractions weren't too annoying, which always runs the risks when you've seen this act do the same thing kind of again and again and again to get the wins they actually did it in an interesting way because you had commentary kind of glamming up the tension between bailey and asuka uh, asuka sorry bailey and sasha the entire time and sasha had a very nice tracksuit as well the tracksuit was phenomenal phenomenal yeah, pretty great tracksuit and yeah they made asuka look strong in defeat which she obviously needed to do because then she had another match like an hour later and the beat down after I thought was good as well because it kind of built up the story for the match later on as well so overall a pretty good match good match for storytelling purposes between Bailey and Sasha and then also left you intrigued for the later match especially if you were bang on with your predictions 
Goddamn right. You're goddamn right. Uh, as far as people who weren't bang on with their predictions, uh, Scott, uh, how did you feel about the SmackDown Women's title match? Pretty good, I hope. Well, the thing is, I like you said, I thought it was going to be Bailey loses her SmackDown Women's title and Sasha keeps her Raw title because I felt like she's held on to it for so long that maybe they were going to swerve and like, oh, actually, now it's actually going to be the feud over the Raw belt because, like, you had the whole fact that Sasha's never defended it successfully. So, like, I had a whole thing I was trying to think about. And the only thing is, when you, especially when we talk about the Raw match later on, as annoyed as I am, I got the order mixed up and how it actually went. I can't be too annoyed about not getting it right because just the storytelling with, that, with Sasha and Bailey is so good right now. And like, I liked that this was the choice for opener. Like, it Asuka out of nowhere pulling out a DDT on the outside. Uh, I'm pretty sure I, I only realised this afterwards. This is, Bailey's lost like four or five times in singles matches to Asuka in the past since NXT. And this is like the only time Bailey's ever actually beaten Asuka one-on-one, which is quite interesting. And like, I liked the way that they, they did it, because that would later it would play into later on. Am I the only one, who, only one who thought it was kind of set up to be like, Bailey has her match with Asuka, and then immediately afterwards, it's Sasha versus Asuka? I thought that. I thought that. I had 100% for that. Because when Sasha ran the ring to beat her up, I thought then she was going to take her tracks off or bring you was going to be underneath and they were going to start. When they did the Undisputed title match, Avengers, where Jericho wins his match and then Austin's music hits and he runs straight down to the ring. Something like that. And yet, then it's like, oh no, it's going to be like later on in the show. Like, huh, okay, so Asuka has to do her full entrance twice. (laughs) No, I... Completely for the Bailey was going to win this match, and then they were going to go into Sasha v Asuka, and that's when we were going to get some sort of explosion between Bailey and Sasha, and that's why Asuka would win the second one. I think that the explosion is coming next week at Payback. I think they're going to lose the SmackDown Women's Tag ti- uh, SmackDown, the WWE Women's Tag Team Titles, and they're just going to fucking maul each other, and it, that's going to be it for the SmackDown Women's Tag uh, the SmackDown women's title match, god damn it, at uh, like the <laughs> next pay-per-view. Because like, that was part of my uh, thing for saying that Bailey was going to lose, because uh, I assumed that they were setting up for both matches to be back-to-back. But I thought if Asuka won the second match, if it was back-to-back, after already wrestling Bailey for like 10, 15 minutes, it would make Sasha look crap. Uh, so I figured, oh, she'll beat Bailey, but then be so tired afterwards that Sasha will capitalize the matches right after it. But then I didn't count on the fact that they said, oh yeah, we're going to go later on. You know, Asuka's going to go back, rest her knee, have a cup of tea, and then come back later on. Uh, she had an hour to rest. Yeah. She, mm-hmm. to... she actually went backstage and had a cup of tea. <laughs> Popped her yep. little feet up, some slippers. Had some of the medical staff give her one of those uh, shiatsus and whatnot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just down some sake. Oh, and then get right back out there. Fucking yeah, hair of the dog. Fucking ready. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> blow, down fucking blow a rail of coke and just go fucking ready to fucking get out there again. I like it. I like it's it. Like that Family Guy episode where Peter gets addicted to crystal meth. He's like, I'm so fucking ready. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, next up, though, is a really fun uh, sort of follow-up to that is a 7-minute and 50-second match for the Raw tag team championship match as the uh, Street Profits take on Andrade and Angel Garza with Zelina Vega, the Vega boys. Um, this uh, Also, uh, Kevin Owens on guest commentary with a tie and a 
cut up Street Profit shirt on, which was great. Uh, he was funny as hell on commentary, as is uh, usually the case. Um, but uh, yeah, Street Profits uh, end up winning. I thought this was a lot of fun. It was exactly what it needed to be after a big match uh, like the SmackDown champ- Women's Championship. So uh, Nathan, you first. Tag Raw tag match. What'd you think? Uh, yeah, it was it was fun. It served its purpose. As you said, Kevin Owens on commentary had one of my favorite lines uh, of the evening, which is when Angel Garza was coming out and he said, "Can you?" Um, he actually has a victory over me. Would you believe? I don't believe it, but apparently it happened. <laughs> which apparently. I thought was great. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is great. He said it a lot better than me, so it was funny when he said it. And uh, but it. Was, it served its purpose, as you say. It was a bit fillerish, but it was great. It kind of hurts a little bit to see Andrade in matches like this because you remember him from NXT <laughs> and how great he is. But the act with Gaza is is pretty good. I love Montez Ford and Dawkins was there. That's fair. That's fair. Scott, do you feel the same way? Not really. Oh. Like, this is the only match that we differed on that we, me and Paul got right and you didn't. And like I and honestly, a few weeks ago, I would have said that Angel and Andrade were going to win. But then they did the whole poison thing and then Ford came back so soon. I'm like, you don't come back from poisoning that quickly and then go on to lose at SummerSlam. So we went with the Street Profits. And honestly, like there's one match we got right by. I was sitting there like, I don't even know if I like the Street Profits anymore. Because they came out, they got plastic cups raining from the ceiling and entrance they probably wouldn't have been able to do if there were actual people there because that would just be awkward as hell but you've got a drink there and suddenly a fucking big plastic cup drops into it that would just be weird like i went very short like we were meant to get this match at wrestlemania and then like they teased before i think it was before extreme rules the street brothers got attacked by garza and andrade and they've just been building to the match since then and like honestly i don't think this match was really worth the wait I think I preferred the match against Siri and Garza at WrestleMania to this. Um, I, I I am loving this conversation real quick, but I have a little bit of breaking news uh, as we are recording here. Uh, Pro Wrestling Sheet has learned former WWE star Wade Barrett will be joining the NXT announce team this week as a one-shot deal, but has the potential to go further. What do you guys think of... Uh, possibly wade barrett having some bad news for the entire nxt universe well it's bad news for nigel meganis because he's been replaced as the token former englishman who Englishman who was formerly a wrestler on the commentary team because they fucking followed him if i recall uh it's bad news for vinnie jones he has potentially lost his partner for making terrible movies <laughs> i mean he can do that all on his own that's, yeah. that's fair. That is fair. He can. Um, Nobody stops the juggernaut. <laughs> if, if, he, if he comes back without his little bad news gavel, I'm going to be I'm writing a strongly worded letter. That'd be so good. <laughs> nobody, nobody, nobody even writes letters anymore, but that's how strongly I would feel about it. I would write a letter in this internet age and send it all the way wherever. Well, listen, get. if you're sending it to Florida, we currently are having a problem with our uh, postal service, so I don't know if it would ever get here. Wait, I'll get Cliff Craven on the case. He'll, he'll never let me down. It's fine. He's going to get one of his bitches to deliver it for him by hand. And 
Okay, so next up is uh, <laughs> I have to I have to restrain myself from making a joke. Um, next up is uh, Manly, Ma- uh, blah, blah, blah. Ma- Ma- Mandy Rose taking on Sonya Deville in a no disqualification loser leaves WWE match that takes ten minutes, uh, and this was okay, I guess. Um, the table spot with Mandy Rose not being able to flip a table up upright was awkward and really sad for a moment and when she when she pushed it into like under the ring my first thought was in the arms of the angels fly away uh i was just very sad for her and i wanted to sponsor her for 15 cents a day um (laughs) so uh sonya loses this match after 10 minutes uh they go back and forth for a little bit uh, and Sony Deville gets some uh, much-needed time off, uh, I guess. Uh, this was not the easiest week for either of these women, as everybody with an internet connection knows. Uh, so this may end up being a good thing. Uh, and nobody had to get their head shaved. So, you know, that's it. Uh, Scott, what did you think of the No DQ Loser Leaves Town match right here, right now, at the thing you'll never see coming, SummerSlam 2020? Yeah. You know. So Nathan, what did you? No. <laughs> like I was actually annoyed they didn't do the hair v hair thing because I wanted to see where they went with it. Because uh, I was getting real Victoria 2002 vibes from Sonya when she came out. If only she came out to tattoo if they were able to pay for the the rights, that would just been perfect. But she comes out, and then uh, this match just didn't work. Again, like I said, like I don't mean to be harsh on the women's matches like it was with Takeover because. I like the Asuka, the two Asuka matches, but I said to you, Jimmy, that I was looking forward to this one more than those two. And then it just didn't work, and I was trying to figure out why, and then later on it hit me, because like, on the same card you have a no-DQ match, a street fight, and a false get anywhere match. And this went on first out of those three. So I think they were kind of limited in the f- terms of physicality with weapons they could go, because like, they didn't want them taking any spots that they were going to use later. Because like, they set a table up, but then they were told, probably told, yeah, but we're doing a, a table spot with Seth and Dominic later. But that's fine. They don't still, you don't have to still set the table up, even when it takes you, God bless her, it takes you too long to do. Like, it wasn't worth it. Even as cool as that thing where they were sliding the chairs along it, and like, especially the angle they shot it at, like, it wasn't worth t- taking the table out, because you take a table out, it has to be used, otherwise there's no point in taking the table out. And then Mandy has apparently been watch, subscribing to New Japan World since the quarantine because she's with, she thinks she's Kenny Omega hitting all those knees. Like, just we hit and finish her button on a fucking PlayStation game. Just hit a knee, hit another knee. Like, for a loser leaves the rematch, it just it didn't have the intensity that you'd expect, and it just kind of felt like, oh, so that happened. That was kind of a flat finish. Uh, yeah, I mean, I... I, I agree. I think that uh, real life events probably clouded how this was supposed to go. And hopefully uh, Sonya comes back real, real soon. And I think that it's good that Mandy Rose is showing some uh, some improvement as well. Like she really wants to be taken seriously as an in-ring performer. And that comes across. Uh, this match did not do wonders for that. But uh, Nathan, what did you think of uh, this particular women's match? Yeah, it was fine. I think it had good intensity about it. 
uh, in like in the action. It's just the action perhaps wasn't as crisp as we all would uh, hope it to be. Uh, but I thought it was pretty good. I think the story they told is excellent. I think it's been excellently told. Sonia Deville's been knocking these promos out of the park uh, completely. So I'm looking forward to when she comes back and what uh, she does with that. I think Mandy Rose is improving pretty much every time she gets in the ring. I do have sympathy for her with the table. Uh, as At a former job of mine, I had to set up tables for like parties and stuff. And when you get them on the side, they are bitches to get up at times. So the trick is just don't do it like that. Mandy, just pick it up, get your foot underneath it, and then tip it with one hand on the top. Oh, Work. she tried. Yeah, but she didn't, just, just, just didn't do it right. They are awkward as hell to get up from the side because they don't, they just don't make them well, especially if they're heavy. And so, my, 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 my support goes out to her on that, and I hope she learns how to tip a table over at some point. Uh, but yeah, it had good intensity about it. It just the action wasn't great at times, and a little bit sloppy. But I think they told a really good story. See, the thing is, like the ending, you had a shot, you cut to Sonia, distraught that she's lost and that she's going to have to leave WWE. And then you cut, you focus on her for like a few seconds. Like, I look back to the ring and let's watch uh, Mandy fail to do the caterpillar and let's watch her yeah, dance. She did fuck that like, like, it's like, oh, this is comedy about to celebrate Mandy's win. Like, read the room, guys. Can read the room like yeah. she looks like she was doing a, a really crap burpee, like you know when you dive down and you pop back up. I think what they really, as you said, Scott, they really didn't need to book so many no disqualification stipulations. Like a loser leaves town match, that's fine. You don't then need to make that no DQ. Like mm. it can just be whoever loses this has to leave. Like they didn't need that stipulation to it, especially when you knew that they weren't really going to be able to do a lot after you watch a show. You're like, okay, that's why they couldn't do a lot. I think I heard Brian Kendrick talk about it before on 205 Live. He was in a street fight, and they were told, you can't use tables or kendo sticks because on the weekend there was a pay-per-view where they were going to be using all of those in matches. It's like, well, don't book it then. Like mm-hmm. They could have put on a pretty damn good match just in the ring. They didn't need it. Or make it submissions only if it's loser leaves town, loser has to quit or something like that. Make it an I quit match. Yeah, mm-hmm. I get that. I get that. But the, the problem the problem with that is is that all three of the like no DQ street fight matches or false count anywhere matches, they all needed to be there to mask sort of the deficiencies of the performers involved. Mandy Rose, I, and I don't say that to be an asshole. I don't. I, I just, I legitimately just think that that's the booking call. I would have made this same call, honestly. Like, I know I don't work for WWE and whatever, but like, if I had this card in front of me and I was able to put them out, I wouldn't have put them so close together, maybe. I would have maybe spaced them out a little bit more. Um, but Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, um, they, if they had had a 10-minute straight wrestling match, it would have probably been a lot worse than what we got at SummerSlam. Uh, Seth Rollins and Dominic Mysterio. Dominic Mysterio is not a tested talent. Uh, You don't want to put 20-some-odd minutes in that kid's hand and then not be able to do the cardio that it requires for a straight wrestling match. And then, of course, Braun and and, uh, The Fiend, neither of them are known for these 20-minute, 30-minute epic 
matches. So you got to put something on there that sort of feeds the need for that as well. So I think that it made sense, although it is a lot. I think I think with that, I'll disagree slightly because I think if you take away the table, the table spot, obviously the Mandy Rose not being able to pick up a table bit didn't wasn't meant to happen. And everything. If you take away the weapon stuff, I think you could have still they could have still had a match where they just go on the outside for a bit and do the suplex on the outside and do the bits and pieces like that and put on a pretty good ten minute match. Dominic Mysterio, I agree. You need some bells and whistles on that because Dominic's massive inexperience in the fiend and brawn uh if you got the fiend like when we actually get to it it wasn't so much about the match it was about what happens after the match so perhaps you could just dished out your time a little bit maybe given the street profits and gaza and andrade more time than they got and because i know they don't want the pay-per-views to be that long but who knows like it was still pretty good i still enjoyed it yeah i mean it was fine is where I land on it. I felt like so one of my pals pointed this out. Like this felt more extreme with the stipulations that they had for some of the matches than the match than the pay per view they had a month before. That's called Extreme Rules. Oh, I, I want you to give it its full Christian name. The horror show has Extreme Rules. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Thank you. Just so I know which one you're talking about. I said that was such great teeth. I could not be <laughs> great in my teeth anymore than I was. um so uh moving on moving on to uh seth rollins with murphy at ringside taking on big dom mysterio with his papa ray mysterio in the corner for a street fight that goes 22 and a half minutes um it did not feel it felt long for a 16 minute match if that makes any sense Mm -hmm. that's the thought that came to my mind but at no point for a 22-minute match, it didn't feel like it was 22 minutes. It felt long for a 15. If you know, I guess if that makes sense to anybody. I'm sure people at home who are listening to this are going like, yes, you made your point. We get it. Um, so, Scott, what did you think of the street fight? Uh, Seth Rollins and Big Dom. Match of the night. Probably ma- maybe even match of the weekend, potentially. It's up there because like, a lot of people were comparing Dominic's performance to Pat McAfee's. I don't think you can compare the two because, like, one of them's like, a, yeah, one of them's a former NFL player, but the other is a former son. The other is the son of a, a actual WWE wrestler, future Hall of Famer. So I don't think you can really compare the two. Eddie Guerrero's not in the Hall of Fame yet. <laughs> I did like that from from because Seth. Don't make people playing their role right. Seth is the ultimate dickhead. That like coming out with the Rey Mysterio Halloween Havoc style gear, saying to Eddie like. Saying to Ray, you sure he's not Uncle Eddie's kid? And just like he try, when he he's going up to confront uh, Dominic's mum, and then Dominic, that, that was the thing that fired Dominic back up again. It was just perfect. And then, especially the closing moments where they tied, they handcuffed Ray to like the ropes. And it was like, it's weird because eventually, you know, Seth's going to have to leave TV because of Becky. And like, it felt like the it feels like they keep having these perfect moments for them to write them off. But you had the IVI match, but then Ray had the contract dispute, so they had him win. And then, like, Dominic standing up for his dad and getting the win in his first match. They seem like the perfect opportunity. So it makes you think, like, how are they actually going to write Seth off TV when they eventually have to go? Yeah, that's 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 fair. I mean, we there's probably still more to come from this. But, Nathan, before I get your, uh, your, your thoughts on this, could you just join me in the corner just quick second all right man 
All right. So, like, he was like, because of Becky, because, like, she had to go and get pregnant, right? Like, that's, like, the whole. All right. Like, is it obvious to everybody as well? As well as about to bring up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do we say it anymore? Is it, like, just, like, beating a dead horse at this point? Or do we just, like, move on? Because I I feel like it's getting pretty bad. I think we called him out on it. All right, let's go. Let's go. All right. All right, all right. So Nathan, Nathan, your your feelings on the uh, street fight? Yeah, I think as Scott said, you're gonna have to write Seth off at some point because Becky selfishly <laughs> decided uh, to to have intercourse with him and accept his sperm to her egg, and now they have a spawn, and that's on her. <laughs> Mind you, these were Scott's words. Like Seth is oh, 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 the said. best work of his career, and she has to fucking ruin it with her hey. biology. Your words were they're gonna have to write Seth off because of Becky. Because of her. <laughs> no, no, no. And you know what? You know, you know. I mean, she's the one who chose to procreate with the man with the most annoying laugh in the entire world. She knew what she was getting into. <laughs> <laughs> like you gotta think, you got Becky Lynch and you got a child of Becky Lynch is everyone. That child is gonna be good at wrestling, but probably bad at Twitter because of of who it's sad is. <laughs> you gotta think, and I'm gonna steal this from KJ, but he's been on our our program, so I think you know I can do it. But you gotta think that Seth Rollins was pretty much just like, I'm not gonna pull out, all right? Fucking. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. <laughs> they were fucking nightmares. Nightmare. Talk about a horror show at Extreme Rules, right? I don't even want to know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Seth was the absolute dicky of dickheads during this match. He really ramped it up. I thought Buddy played his part well. Uh, he's got the perfect name for being a number two, isn't he? Murphy? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I meant Buddy, but sure. Well, they took that from him. He's just Murphy. Oh, is he? Yeah, Did he take it Murphy. again? Yeah, he's just Murphy. Just Murphy. That's the worst. Yeah, he's just uh, Murphy. It's like he's the, he's the number three guy who throws shoes. Honestly. <laughs> he's somehow there towards your final act of the film. You're like, fuck, this guy's still here? He's still uh, fucking around? Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I thought uh, Big Dom put on a blinder for his, his first uh, official match. He came came out and gave it everything. I don't think you look out of place at all. Uh, I've not watched a tag match from Raw, but from what I can see, he's and from what I've read, he plays his part brilliantly as well. He 100% is going to be a big star of the future if they treat him right. I know that there were rumours, and he said himself that he wants to go under a mask at some point and kind of get his own identity a little bit. And good luck, 100%. Good luck he's to him. He's fucking like 19. He's fucking like he's nineteen. No, he's fucking like nineteen. Like oh, he's not. That he's makes not more even. Sense. He's not even legal age to drink yet, and he's this good. I thought he was I, early twenties because, like, was he not like eight when they did the Dominic angle uh, at SummerSlam '05? So that was like fifteen years ago. So he should be like twenties by now, isn't he? I Ooh. thought he was. Uh, I thought he was nineteen. He is twenty-three. He's twenty-three. He's the same age as me. Well, the fuck is fucking behind on his development? 
So. Well, then forget what I said. He had just yeah, shit he, the he, bed he, here. <laughs> he fucked up his SummerSlam debut. Jesus fucking... Uh, what a barrel of shit this was. But no, uh, great no. match. Seth, Seth had to obviously do the heavy lifting in it. Uh, they put the, they pulled the story off. There were some great stories told on this pay-per-view. And no, it, it was fantastic. I think Ray played his part really well. Ray's wife played her part really well. It was kind of like... I don't know, a silent, no, don't do it. A silent <laughs> mother. <laughs> you know they're silent mothers and the way they are. And great stuff. Oh, and Dominic's gear really, I kept thinking, oh, wow, he's cosplaying as Pentagon Jr. But yeah, he can do that if he wants. I think it was more, set, it was supposed to be like Seth's gear. Like it looked like some of the gear that Seth would wear like a couple of years ago. Yeah, I I didn't think it looked shit. I was, I was thinking more Blue Beetle from DC, but, you know, that's just, that's, I'm just a nerd. <laughs> he was he's Ray's kid. Ray comes out to superheroes all the time. Like, that's like, true. That's, yeah, I actually didn't think about that. That's a good shout. It's a good shout. He was dressed I'll as say, a dick. Because, <laughs> like, I remember Ray comes out to superheroes and like, he came out of Silver Surfer that one time and Vince hated it. <laughs> That was, was shit, to be fair. Like, he just came out covered in paint. You know, like he'd been at, like, a fucking weird rave all night. Ooh, I mean, can I tell a quick story? Can I tell a quick story, speaking of people who are stuck at a quick rave? Uh, like, a fucked up rave. Rave, one night. not grave. No, I said rave. Oh, I said grave. Uh, I said fucked up rave. Um, I think. I don't know. People will listen back to this and go, no, we didn't. Um, but I was working at a Wawa at like 2.30 in the morning and some kid comes in from the uh, like the gay bars in Philly just covered in paint covered in paint pellets like like heavy breathing and shit and he comes up with like three water bottles and I was like can I get you anything else he goes no nah, man nah and I went alright so I gotta ask you like what's up with all the paint and he goes it just started raining paint and there were soap suds everywhere I haven't seen my friends in four hours and I went <laughs> okay That'll be 434. And he went, yeah, cool, cool, cool. And he handed me a five, and the change spit out, and he left. And I don't know if that man ever made it home. Uh, you guys ever been to a bubble party? I have uh, not, but I've seen them. and they, they Bubble look parties are fucking amazing. You guys uh, should go to one. The way, the way that Jimmy described the way that guy spoke, like, I was waiting for him to say any other way. I've seen things, man. <laughs> you weren't there, man. You don't know the, the things I've seen, man. Scott's like, uh, women, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, women, right? Asuka took on Sasha Banks for the Raw <laughs> Women's Championship match for 11 and a half minutes, and Asuka comes away with the victory. Finally vanquishing Sasha Banks, therefore continuing the streak of Sasha Banks not being able to defend a goddamn title. A singles title, that is. Um, so, uh, Scott, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna get your misogynistic comments out of the way first. <laughs> and I'm fuck women. Then I'll just you uh, thought, Scott tonight. You just thought, oh, Nathan and Jimmy are just gonna make me and <laughs> me and Paul watch some stupid pay per view, and then we're gonna have to review it. Nah, from now on, you hate women, bro. That's the punishment. Uh, Scott Snyder. These aren't just women, though, Scott. They're also minorities. <laughs> oh, no! Oh, no. <laughs> no. 
noget, noget sådan noget. I'm gonna have to ask you to watch your language as you describe the raw women's title match between Oscar and Sasha Banks. Keep in mind, I can't even say it. They are women. Minorities, they are people. They are people, and they matter. Oh, oh, I've never seen their papers. <laughs> now, now things are turning. Now things are turning. Fucking Nathan, jump over there. <laughs> oh my god. A lot of people, a lot of people have never seen their papers. <laughs> Every second. Just fucking cares what I think about this match. It was a good match. <laughs> no, yeah, it's great. It was fine. <laughs> uh, oh. So Nathan, Jesus fucking Christ. Um, did we get your opinions on this match? I for I fucking forget. Yeah, it was great. This match was awesome. awesome. Yeah. Drew, Daddy Drew McIntyre took on <laughs> fucking Randy Orton for the WWE Championship. In 20 and a half minutes, and this motherfucker won with a backslide. I can't tell you how much I love this. The second this match was over, everything flooded back to me where the, the tagline for this show is, uh, you'll never see it coming, and uh, Orton said that you'll never see the RKO coming, even though he tried it 700 times. And Drew said he wanted him to see the Claymore coming, but then he beat him with a backslide. Storytelling in this was bar none best of the weekend um not as far as like match because it was all right as far as the match goes but storytelling wise fan fucking tastic uh now that there are two men uh, (laughs) i would like to possibly start with scott on this one now that there aren't any women or you know minorities around why don't you just does Air Scotland count as foreign to you? How far away is that? Well, like a 15-minute train journey. Oh, that's all right. There. That's, that's close enough. That's close enough. <laughs> close enough. Now, Randy Orton is from the Midwest, arguably the South. So, the Bible Belt area. So, be kind as you talk about the WWE Championship. <laughs> I can see a lot better. I went to uni there, so, you know. <laughs> so it's no wonder that Drew got the fuck out of there. So, but I, I'm glad that the one thing they took away from our our SummerSlam fantasy booking thing, because we know WWE listens to to our podcast. They I, took hope my, they I hope they do. <laughs> they, 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 took my, <laughs> they, they took my. They took my idea of uh, of Grant, of Drew walking in the figure four, which I liked. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. The whole like, I did like the the tagline like you'll never see it coming because I thought like, it gave away the fact that Orton was gonna win, but then obviously Drew won, and like I, I mentioned when we were talking about the Dolph Ziggler match, like the reason we want Orton to face Drew is like Orton could believably take the belt away from because like Rollins was too soon, Bobby Lashley was rushed into that role, uh, where when a couple months later it could have been believable. Dolph, fuck off. 
it's like you never had someone who could believably take the belt from so there was never any stakes with Drew's state of defences so far and that was the big difference here I was genuinely shocked to see Drew retain but I was also pleasantly surprised by it so like and that's why I should have had because I, I need I should believe that the challenger for the WWE title could believably take the belt from the champions so I could properly buy into the story and I like that judging from what happened between Drew and Orton in the following night that it's not over and they're using this loss to help further drive Orton like, over the edge. Uh, I'm still recovering a little over here, so uh, forgive me. But Nathan, <coughs> Nathan. I uh, love this match. Uh, this is pro- possibly my favorite match of the weekend. I really, really enjoyed this match. I thought it was a great classic kind of title fight. Uh, you did have the stupid tagline that WWE seems to want to force on every show at the minute, but if you just ignore that, uh, Randy was just going for his big hit, Drew was going for his big hit, you had some kind of throwbacks with the figure four, Drew going for the superplex, which obviously was Randy Orton's dad's uh, finisher, and I love the finish, I know a lot of people didn't like it, because as much as they want to say that there's not enough surprises in WWE, they also really hate it when they do surprises a lot of the time. And I thought the backslide was good. It turned out, I didn't know it, but it was a throwback to a way uh, Ric Flair lost the title or something like that. Uh, at some point, loads of people were pointing that out uh, as well. It also, if you just have Drew, Claymore, Randy and win, that's the end of the story if you get Drew to kind of get a surprise roll-up backslide finish, they obviously want to carry on this story. Um, so that, there you go. I thought it was great. And Randy's surprise at the end was fantastic, the way he kind of sat on the outside. And the follow-up on Raw with all the punts and everything were was just great. They've, they're telling really good stories at the minute, as much as Seth wants to say we don't have patience for it. Like, <laughs> fuck off, Seth. We have patience for good stories, you dick. And I'm happy Drew won. I, I like him as a champion. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree, 100%. I, I do think, like, because they've announced they're doing Hell in a Cell, but it's not till like, November 1st, which is weirdly too close to Survivor Series. So I, I think by Hell in a Cell, Orton will be the champion if he's not already won it by then. Because like they yeah, got Clash Champions in September between after payback and then in November you've got Bloody Hell in a Cell and Survivor so they're fucking they've got a new a new arena so they're fucking cramming those pay per views in. Fuck it, why not? And uh, yeah, I agree. I think Randy is probably going to be the one to take it off Drew, but. I don't know. It depends. It's kind of a little bit intriguing because they've now thrown Keith Lee straight in there and we know that they have high hopes for Keith Lee with the way they treated him at Survivor Series last year and at the Royal Rumble this year. So are they throwing him in there? Alistair Black's just come back, which who they're, they're never going to do anything with. What am I talking about? Uh, Kevin Owens, is it? Or Seth, if Becky isn't being selfish, could still be there later this year. <laughs> The Fiend Bray Wyatt <laughs> took on Braun Strowman in a Falls Count Anywhere match for the WWE Universal Championship. Strowman came in as the baldy, 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 baldy Universal Champion after being, because uh, apparently drowning makes your hair fall out. Um, 
They go about 12 minutes. It felt like it went about 30. Um, this match was really all about what happened afterward. Uh, the Fiend, uh, the Fiend, the Fiend, Bay, uh, Bray Wyatt uh, won, becoming the new Universal Champion. But then out of nowhere, the Big Dog came back to his new yard, which is now the Thunderdome, uh, because he's been gone for so long. They did some repair work on the doghouse. Um, and he came in and just started murdering everybody with his new teeth and his big old beard. Um, I think Bray getting the title back. And I think that they've announced that there's a triple threat happening next week at Payback. Mm-hmm. Am I, am I yeah. right there? Um, so uh, interesting stuff coming out of this match. Uh, Nathan, I'm going to go to you first. Uh, what did you think of the main event of SummerSlam 2020? Uh, Braun is a lot scarier without hair. Yes. It's, he's got that Corbin syndrome of he lost the hair and you're like, shit, guy looks good. And uh, he's also got his big beard, so that's cool. The Fiend is still, he's still the most potentially most intriguing character WWE have. But I just don't like Braun Strowman matches unless they're five minutes and it's a lot of smashing. Like, there was some smashing in this match, don't get me wrong. But it went on too long, and The Fiend isn't designed to have great matches. I understand that. I don't mean to get all Brian Alvarez and be like, The Fiend's never had a good match. Like, uh, but it went on a bit too long. The ending was... The ending, clearly they had an idea, which was they were going to Sister Abigail brought onto some wood. And... By they went out of their way to miss that wood because they tried twice. <laughs> they missed it every time. <laughs> so, uh, but I, and Roman Reigns coming back though, that was a genuine surprise. I did not see that coming. <laughs> and he looks like he's potentially going to be a heel. He sorted his merch out before the run in. That's smart business. Absolutely. You want to get those shirts out quick. And so he's got a slogan. He got the guys to print it. Then he ran in. Nobody knew he was there apart from the shirt printing guy. And uh, Good stuff. Teeth look great. If he doesn't bite someone, I'm going to be so pissed off. Uh, Scott, what did you think of the the, uh, the main event here? I mean, you think I hate women. Fucking Braun Strowman's press slamming women. I mean, that's a prick right there. Uh, you're just like, not strong enough. You would if you could. I really couldn't. Uh, <laughs> like, Alexa, it's weird that Alexa was so part of the tight package and then just didn't show up. And you got to think it was to do with the fact that they were bringing Roman out because I don't think this would have been the main event if it wasn't for Roman because I really got into the build for this match when Braun came back with like no hair because they started actually making Braun interesting again. And I think it was like Stephen Larson in that ongoing on Raw who basically said like, even if Braun wins, uh, it retains the title, The Fiend wins because The Fiend wanted to turn Braun to the monster again. And he's done that, which is interesting. But like, this match did not match the feud going into it. Because like, it was, yeah, it was false count anywhere. I think that was just an excuse so they could go out the ring for long periods of time and do the weird Sister Abigail and Gorilla position and then awkwardly walk back down to the ring to like... Uh, we've seen in Dodiku matches when they like, start cutting up the ring. It usually comes at the end of a long, like, 20-minute match where nothing else can put somebody away that they're, like, tearing their ring apart. This went 12 minutes. They'd barely really done anything with, to each other and other than awkwardly brawl around ring and up to the back and back. 
and so then they started just tearing the ring up. Like he expected a lot more from these two, given how they set this match up and how they rushed in the false count anywhere stipulation. As far as Roman coming back, guys, it doesn't matter what I think about Roman coming back because it matters what Robert Paul Dory, I think that's his name, thinks. A K at Rob from the Bronx on Twitter here because uh, he's there with all the insights. Because uh, on Twitter at SG Rambling, I was tweeted out at this point, Reigns is back, I've missed him, because I honestly have, and hashtag SummerSlam. And then Rob comes back with, nobody has. All right. Oh, okay. I, re- I reply, I did, so that's at least one person who did. And then Rob sees right through me, because he puts up, stop it, you don't even believe this. Like, and I just, and I just press him back. Yes, I do. And honestly, like I stayed up for an extra like, half hour, even though it was like after three in the morning, because I wanted him to come back at me with something else. I was just going to keep going as long as it took. But unfortunately, Rob think, t- got the message, and he's just doing his rage that someone out there is happy to see Roman Reigns back. Because <laughs> like, uh, there's been a notable difference in SmackDown and WWE in general since he left. He's like, yeah, the Corbin fade was crap, and it went on too long. Like, you look at SmackDown since he left, you realise just how much they need him. Whoa. It's not fair. We've got Naomi. No, 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 see, but he wouldn't he wouldn't like that though. Oh sorry. We've got um What was that guy's Twitter handle? Hey, at Rob from the Bronx, I think. At Rob from the Bronx, um I missed Roman Reigns as well. As, as did I. Uh, I said off the air uh, earlier in the day, I was having conversations with uh, my roommates and a couple friends uh, that uh, it had been a long time since Roman was around and there was definitely a void there. And then when he came back, I popped like a fucking ripe cherry when he came back because uh, I found that very entertaining. And I hope that they I hope that they keep it going. I hope that they really make him forceful and a badass. And I hope that they make him part of uh, retribution. Fuck it. Let's let's yeah. go full all the way with it. Let's make Rome, Roman Reigns the star he should be. And without the fans there, they can't get booed for making wrong decisions. So what's ever going to happen is what's going to happen. No, he's he's heel now. They're going to cheer him. That's fair. That's fair because we're fickle That's and we don't works. we don't like long story long term storytelling. Everyone right? likes him now because they're not meant to. Wait, wait. What exactly would Roman want retribution for? To be exact. Cause like, that dental bill. He should, went to Bert Baker. he should have went to Burt Baker for that. Wait. Get it? Because she's a dentist. I don't know if you know. Oh, no, I didn't know. Uh, but at Rob from the Bronx, you're the worst. Mm-hmm. That's it. Uh, and for, uh, there you go. He, there's a new to add If you don't like our opinions on Roman or a lot of the other things we've said in this podcast, please, please let out Raw for the Bronx know, and I'm sure he'll get back there to There we go. Very quickly. There we go. From now on, Ben, you're officially off the hook. Rob from the Bronx, welcome, welcome, sir, to the crosshairs of the A-team. <laughs> um, because uh, this, this show overall, this weekend, really, was maybe the strongest weekend uh, WWE has had in a very long time. Uh, especially since the beginning of the uh, the pandemic and all that other junk, um, 
it, it was a, it was a good SummerSlam. I mean, am I wrong? It was a good SummerSlam. That was pretty good. I liked everything on it. And all the men's stuff. Scott, I'm sure you had appreciation <laughs> for it. Please stop this. Okay, please. yeah. All right, all right, all right. We, um, we, we've really run this into the ground. Well, yeah, we're only, getting, we're only getting one episode out of this, Scott, so let us fucking have it. Yeah. Can't we have nice things? Because we freaking won again, ladies and gentlemen. That is right. It's we won yet again here at SummerSlam 2020 over Scott and Paul. And uh, I can't wait to uh, hear their reaction to this on their podcast over at SP Rambling on Twitter. Uh, stay with us over here at Rogue, Opi- Rogue un- underscore Opinion over on the Twitter, as you would say, Nathan. Uh, Scott, I'm going to go to you first, buddy. Uh, what do you have to plug? What's going on over on your neck of the internet? Well, me and Paul at uh, Espion, as you said, are here waiting with bated breath to find out what our punishment is. Uh, it was decided to be winner's choice because uh, I couldn't be us suggesting something, thinking of something and then having to do it. So I thought, fuck it, we'll just wait to see who wins and then just let them decide. Nathan, but, uh, totally have them watch Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. <laughs> I was thinking of making them watch my 10 favorite wrestling matches, but they have to be nice about them. We'll work, we'll work it out. Pay attention to the Twitters and, and everything. Go ahead, Scott. Honestly, we can, we, can feign, we can feign sincerity like the best of them, I think. So we can do that. But honestly, uh, if you like Bam Bam Bigelow, who we mentioned earlier, me and Paul mentioned Bam Bam Bigelow and a number of other wrestlers from back in the day when we reviewed uh, SummerSlam 1984 the other day, uh, the one with two takers, as it's commonly remembered as. Uh, over on our podcast, on all good Android podcasting sites. We've also, we're going to have the reactions to what happened here, the predictions. We're going to have Frasier, Impact, all that good stuff. Uh, and I don't usually mention them, but yeah, at Suplex Retreat, stay tuned there because I run a, a show called Saturday Draft Live, a bit of fantasy league me and the guys over there do. And coming to YouTube, I think by this weekend, it's going to be our season six selection show where everyone gets together and picks their teams for the next season. And it's one of the best things we do over there because it's just the tension and the trash talking. It's just, it's on another level. Just everybody just gets so angry at each other uh, when they steal their picks. And we're doing it a way this year where the order of selection will be decided on the day at random. So nobody knows who goes, who's going first. We know who's going last. It's Steven because he won last season, the prick. <laughs> Honestly, I may I may dislike him more than I dislike Nathan. That's saying something. Jeez, what do I even do to this guy? Just you're the one who I've did, ever seen. You're the one who described me as your nemesis. You brought this on your fucking self. Uh, speaking of Nathan, he's been on the Rogue Retrospective interview in the past, as has recently Suplex Retreats on Jack Graham and many others on the Rogue Retrospective review. What maybe one of the better, best things we do on Rogue Pines after whatever the team's up to. Very, very good. Very, very fun stuff. Uh, Nathan, what do you got going on in your neck of the woods? Uh, not a lot. You can find me at Nathan Greenaway on Twitter if you want me to not reply to you. Uh, you and then just check back through the archives of Rogue Opinions. The Naked Men podcast will be back uh, again later this week at the time of this going up. Uh, there's Room 501 with Reese and Scott's going to be on that at some point moaning about women. Uh, no doubt. And other than that, 
not a lot else is, is happening. Just keep an eye on Rogue Opinions at Rogue underscore Opinion. Jimmy, I'm sure you've got a million things going on. I have a few things going on, uh, as I always do. Uh, first and foremost, always go ahead and follow me over on the Twitter at Mr. Riot. That's M-R-R-I-0-T because Counter-Strike was a thing when I was a kid. Yes, that is now burned into my brain, and that's how it will stay forever. Um, over at pro the Pro Wrestling Magic side of things, uh, I got to direct some really, really fun stuff over the weekend that will be coming out sometime in the next couple of weeks. Uh, it is very, 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 very big stuff. And uh, we hope that you guys go and check it out. Uh, we are at youtube.com forward slash pro wrestling magic at wrestling magic on the Twitter pro wrestling magic on Instagram. Please make sure to stay uh, tuned to that because we have a lot of matches coming out. Like I mentioned the uh, Keith Lee and hardcore Holly match that took place back in 2017 that I did after I did commentary on after SummerSlam this very weekend uh, for no other reason other than it's a great match. None at all. Um, and yeah, I mean, for now, that's it. I had some other stuff fall through, uh, but right now that's pretty much all I got. And make sure you guys always check back right here, anywhere you get your podcast for Rogue Opinions. For now, the A-team's got to ride off into that sunset because we are out of time and we are out of content. So uh, bye, I guess. Oh.